for tomorrow. Right now, Metro still a bit of ice around. Uh, you'll notice on the vehicles of the walkways and parking lots. And Jerry Lynn mentioned some fog. Temperature at zero. Back with an update at 10 o'clock for VOCM News. I'm Brian Medore. VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, all right, and good morning to you. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. It's Friday, March the 17th. This is Open Line. I'm your host, Patty Daly, and Greg Smith, he's producing this. Come on with an edition of Open Line. So if you're in the St. John's metro region, the number to dial to get in the queue and on the air, 273-5211, or elsewhere, it's toll-free long distance, one 590 vocm which is 86 26. So as we know, today is a government holiday. But speaking of a unscheduled holiday, yesterday. So look, I get it. Weather forecasting is an imperfect science. Things can change quite quickly, whether it be the direction of the wind or the strength of the wind or whatever. But boy, oh boy, the number of frustrated parents and business owners populating my email inbox this morning is really something else. So we all know. Yesterday didn't turn out to be much of a storm, so schools were closed, businesses were certainly impacted, and I've got a lot of folks going after some of the forecasters, the meteorological staff in different parts of the province here, but anywho, didn't manifest to be much of a storm, but the place was, for all intents and purposes, shut down on many fronts, and of course, yes, today is a holiday for some. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, if you are one who celebrates. You know, St. Patrick's Day is a strange one, right? So it's a government holiday here. And in this province, it's celebrated quite aggressively or vociferously. People will take the opportunity today to sharpen up their brogue. You know, we talk about cultural appropriation. You know, some cultures is really pushed back upon when people take it upon themselves to mimic or to take parts of a culture and celebrate it or use it or abuse it or sell it or celebrate it. I don't think the Irish care a whole lot about the way St. Patrick's Day is treated, but it is a strange holiday in that. You know, here we are during Lent, and some of the restrictions on what you can eat and what you can drink were actually lifted so people could celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and basically it has been directly associated with alcohol consumption. We don't know a whole lot about St. Patrick. So he's the foremost patron saint of Ireland, of course. Born into a very wealthy Romano family, he was kidnapped and brought to Northern Ireland, worked as a shepherd for some six years, but most of that comes from a book called The Declaration, which was allegedly written by Patrick himself. So what we know about St. Patrick basically comes from St. Patrick. Of course, he's uh, in the 5th century is when Patrick roamed uh, Ireland, the Emerald Isle. And if you're interested in celebrating or talking about St. Patrick's Day today, we can do it. It's celebrated around the world by different denominations, different cultures, notably here in Canada, certainly down in the United States, the United Kingdom, Argentina, Australia, South Africa, a really big deal. National festival in some of those countries. This is a predominantly English province, but we really latch on to the Irish, whether it be the Irish Newfoundland show and or uh, other Irish cultures and celebrations. But anywho, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. All right, you know, the largest congregation of Irish outside of Ireland, people always think it's in Boston or New York City. It's actually in Chicago. And they probably have the biggest St. Patrick's Day parade in the world. But anywho, that's neither here nor there. And uh, let's see here. So down at Mary Brown Center today, talked about St. Patrick's Day type of celebrations. Adirondack in town again. It's $5 beer <laughs> at Mary Brown Center. And speaking of the wearing of the green, which many people will do today. 
They've introduced the green armbands for uh, hockey officials under the age of 18, and it's worked out in some form or fashion. But there's a couple of recent incidents that have really shone an unfortunate light back on hockey. Hockey gets a bad rap when it comes to abusive officials and some of the shenanigans on the bench and on the ice and in the stands. Now, as someone who's attended many minor sports activities over the years, I can tell you it's not just hockey. So now apparently there's been an incident where a young hockey player has actually punched a referee in the face with the glove on. The abuse of the officials continues. And, you know, emotions get the best of us sometimes, especially in these uh, sporting settings. But for the parents out there who kind of lose their mind and lose their cool when they go to their son or their daughter's minor sports activity, in particular hockey, you know who was uh, cringing the most at your behavior and your antics? is your own child. So maybe just uh, understand that we're talking about youngsters. 99.99999% of them will never make any money at it. So it's, you know, it's a sport. It's a bit of fun, right? All right, Team Goju, coming off the record-setting fifth Briar Championship, have added a fifth or a, uh, yeah, a fifth for the upcoming World Championships. So they picked up EJ Harrington to replace Brett Gallant in this year's edition. So Harrington, of course, is a terrific player, has a really storied past himself. They picked up his brother Ryan to be the alternate for the Worlds, which, of course, is set for April 1-9. to The Harrington boys have never played against each other in a meaningful event until the Briar Final where Ryan was throwing the lead stones for Matt Dunstone's Winnipeg rink, or Manitoba rink, uh, but now they'll join forces coming up for the world, so good luck to them. Congratulations to the inductees, the pending inductees, into the Sports ha- Sport NL Hall of Fame Class of 2023. Charlie Babstock, beauty. Uh, in the athlete category for hockey and soccer, Eric Eason in the builder and athlete category, Donnie House in the athlete category for hockey, of course, Mary Oakley in the veteran athlete category, softball, rowing, soccer, tremendous athlete, uh, Gene Lake, now Gene Thompson in the builder category for soccer, and Suraj Wadhaham in the athlete category for badminton. They'll be inducted in October. And, of course, we didn't have the ceremonies last year due to the obvious, so there'll be a plethora of Hall of Famers at the upcoming events. All right. Uh, Labrador Winter Games are winding down. One of the marquee events is the Labrathon. It was canceled due to weather conditions. So the athletes who trained for this are really disappointed. The committee, of course, didn't take this decision lightly, but the Labrathon is a really fascinating event. So they compete on a frozen basin, referred to it affectionately, apparently, as Maxville. So what they do is they uh, drag a small sled full, full of survival tools. They have to dig a hole through the ice by hand, light a fire, boil a kettle, shoot targets, and cut through large logs with a buck saw, and then set a trap, and that one has been canceled. But a great story coming from Labrador in the games. The oldest competitor, Harrison Campbell. He's attended every single Labrador Winter Games since 1983. This year he carried the torch at the opening ceremonies alongside his granddaughter, uh, Grace Campbell. So that's a cool story. Hopefully they enjoyed the games despite. See that story for the dolphin stuck in the ice the second time in the recent past? Unlike the last time where the folks were able to get out on the very hard ice and make the rescue, they can't hear because it's just slob ice and these... Dolphins are stuck. Four of five have already died, so we're hoping for a shift in the weather to loosen the ice so the last can absolutely escape. All right, so where are we going here this morning? So I meant to talk to this yesterday. I don't think I brought it up. Stick with the water, though. And DFO has released the most recent scientific research on the strength of the Kaplan stock. Some good news therein, but it still remains in the critical zone. So here we go. The stock is at 262 kilotons which is deep in the critical zone. In 1990, for context, there was over 8,000 kilotons of capelin in the water. Seems to be strong numbers for the larval index and the zooplankton. So capelin are in relatively good shape, but we'll see where that goes, and I'll add into it. If you're a harvester want to talk about 
the herring and the mackerel and the capelin or anything else under the sun. But the capelin stock seems to be in relatively good shape. But, of course, one of the key forage fish in the water that has implications for many other species. And we're happy to talk about it today. I'm going to put this out there once again because I think we're going to hear more and more of these types of conversations. And we're hoping to hear from a couple of folks from Galtus this morning. Of course, Galt is a beautiful community, only accessible by ferry. I think it's some six kilometers from Hermitage. And they're now going through the process of voting as to whether or not it's the time to relocate. And it's not for me to say. I don't live in Galtus. So a really robust community of over 600 at one point with a processing plant. And people were working and happy. And now the economy of scale has basically gone by the wayside. From 600 to less than 100 folks in uh, Galtus at this point, we know that the province lowered the threshold from 90% in favor of moving down to 75. Of course, then there's an evaluation done by the government to see if there's any savings over the course of 20 years, and they say in this case there would be savings of some $10 million. So even if they vote to relocate, and that remains to be seen, we'll know more after April 6th when the ballots are returned, there'd be no ferry, be no electricity, be no health care, but some may indeed choose to stay. So if you're in Galt's, and they've done what I think is really wise, is not enrage or to inflame the community with all the divisive rhetoric that comes with leaving or staying. So they've been keeping their cards pretty close to their vest, but I think we might have a couple of folks from Galtus interested in calling today, just even to talk about their life and times in the community and what the future may indeed hold, regardless of the outcome of this relocation vote. You know, not in the forced resettlement era of the 50s and 60s, but this is a big one. And you know full well that this is not going to be the last community to have this type of conversation and this type of pending vote. This is the third go-around for the folks in Galtus to see whether or not the community is in favor of leaving. And, of course, that comes with a amount of money afforded to households. So if you're a permanent resident, which is a key here for the ability to vote, and you do indeed vote to relocate, quarter million dollars for a household with at least one adult, families of three or more, I think it's more like $270,000. Even if you are a resident of voting age who doesn't own property, it's $10,000 for resettlement or relocation if folks are so inclined. So you want to take that on. And we can extend that conversation into what seems to be or seemingly stalled conversations surround regionalization. It's a dirty word. It's amazing how many words beginning with R become very contentious words in this province. But the regionalization plan, it was grabbing headlines and massive conversations and pushback from especially folks who are residents of local service districts and other community leaders have you know, taking baby steps toward some collaboration or cooperation or regionalization, but the department has been pretty mum on the particular issue, but we're happy to bring it up again today, if you're so inclined. So, so it's two years since the Green Report. Now, Budget Day is next Thursday, and maybe there'll be more understanding of what the government is doing or considering or implementing regarding recommendations coming back from Moya Green and her Premier's Economic Recovery Team report. Some of the moves have been made, you know, blending the English-speaking school district into the Department of Education, the amalgamation of the four regional health authorities, have not gone down the road of what some people will refer to as austerity measures, higher taxes, major cuts in spending, and some of the other things they would have long-term implications, of course, and then some of the ones that I'm sure politicians are hesitant to get too deeply involved with because immediately the thought will go, if you're selling assets, you're going to sell them to your buddies. I mean, that's how people think, right? So whether it be out in Marble, big uh, weekend in Marble Mountain this weekend, Shandy Canock tonight, I believe they're tonight, and then it's the bull arm and motor vehicle and the NLC, which I think is probably the most problematic for people to wrap their mind around, considering they do return over $200 million annually to the province. Well, that's been the number of the last couple of years. 
But we'll see where that Green Report and Rothschild and all the rest of it, hopefully it's not yet another example of money's out the door, massive reports that have been submitted to government, and consequently they become dust collectors in some circumstances. And let's turn our attention to law enforcement. So today, the RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky is retiring. And she has had a tumultuous tender to say, tenure, to say the very least. Whether it be the relationship with the government and some of her testimony and apparent pressure to leak some weapon information that was involved in the mass shooting in Nova Scotia, then of course she inherited what some people refer to as an impossible task. To help navigate the RCMP through what has been cultural and structural fragility, of course, we all know about the way women have been treated and some of the monies that have been paid out in excess of $125 million to settle lawsuits uh, regarding sexual harassment and assault inside the ranks. It was back in 74 that the, we saw the first female member of the RCMP, so it remains to be seen who will be the 25th commissioner of that law enforcement agency. Brenda Lucky was the first permanent commissioner, replacing a lady who served, I can't remember her name off the top of my head now, she was an interim uh, commissioner, went on, is now a senator, I should have that name somewhere, but anyway, forgot it. Karen Adams, Adams was the first female, and the other lady, can't find it. So, the RCMP, if you hear from some folks, especially who are civilian staff of the RCMP, they say that the agency or the law enforcement organization that is the RCMP is doomed. The depth and the breadth of cultural and structural problems inside that law enforcement agency is extremely difficult to navigate. So I'm sure there's lots of folks out there who would like to be tapped for the top job, but at the same time, in their quiet moments, thinking, please don't ask me. But if you want to talk about the, the times of Brenda Lucky at the helm of the Royal, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, we'll take that on. And I haven't put this one out there in a while, but I'm going to do exactly that. And now yesterday, extremely sad news when two uh, law enforcement officers were ambushed and assassinated in Edmonton, Alberta. Then the gunman, a teenager, actually took his own life on the heels of it. We know policing is extremely dangerous. Of course it is. And even some of the calls like uh, responding to a domestic violence issue and even pulling people over on the highway has proven to be very dangerous set of circumstances and situation for police officers. And on this front inside the RNC, we haven't talked about this uh, lately, but Chief Roach, and I suppose maybe as part of the leadership group, decided that they would withhold the Portuguese water dog, Stella, from any community events and or dealing with victim services as the mental health support dog. Look, for some people, they roll their eyes at it. Look, it's a dog, right? What's the big deal? It had a positive impact on the community. I saw it up, up front and personal many, many times. So it came out of nowhere. So the chief will say that, the, that Stella and uh, handle, Handler Krista have transitioned into more supports inside the rank and file of the RNC versus the community work that was once being done, Krista Fagan. But it all happened so quickly. It went from out there all the time to not out there at all. And so for the past six-plus months, every single invitation or request for Stella and uh, Constable Fagan to be part of a community event has been rejected. So I haven't talked about it in a while, but I think it's still on the front burner for many if you want to take it on. Let's do that. A couple of quickies before we get to your call. How are we doing out there, Greg? It's come out of Friday. Let's get this going. Okay. So the announcement by the Prime Minister to tap former Governor General David Johnson as a special rapporteur has gotten to predictable reaction in Ottawa and across the country. You know, I don't think too many people are questioning the status and stature 
and the commitment to public service that has been on full display by David Johnson over the years. But people fall back to the obvious, right? Friend of the family, member of the Trudeau Foundation, all those types of things. Even though David Johnson has done investigations into the Conservatives, if you hear from former Prime Minister Stephen Harper speaking very kindly of David Johnson, not only because he appointed him, but of course David Johnson was also part of the Oliphant Commission to look into the relationship between former Prime Minister uh, Brian Mulroney and Caroline Schreiber with the Airbus affair and the brown paper bags full of money. On that front, some dubious work done excluded Airbus from some of the commission's work there, which really has made no sense ever since. But if you want to talk about the special rapporteur or the need or the want for public inquiry or the RCMP investigation in or the CSIS work and the leaks, and apparently now CSIS is telling us that Beijing interfered in the 2022 municipal elections in Vancouver. So they are obviously the biggest bullies on the block, probably the biggest uh, global nuisance at this point. And it's not new. This hasn't happened overnight. It's not just in the last couple of years where anybody, whether it be Russia or Iran or North Korea or the Chinese have meddled or interfered. But if you want to take it on, we can do that. All right, we're on Twitter. We're VOCM Open Line. Follow us there. Our email address is openline at VOCM.com. My personal favorite and yours is when you pick up the phone, get in the queue and on the air. The topic, up to you. We're taking a break and then we're coming back. VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Hi, I'm Katherine Peddle, registered dental hygienist and owner of Mobile Smiles. Our oral health care team knows how busy life can be. That's why Mobile Smiles offers a full range of dental hygiene services wherever you are, at home, work, or a health care facility. Call us at 691-7261 to schedule your appointment or email hello at mobilesmilesnl.com. Mobile Smiles makes oral health care easy and accessible. In Newfoundland and Labrador, when you think equipment, you think Harvey and Company. They provide the best equipment brands for the road, the farm, and the construction site. Trusted brands like International Trucks now receive Air Miles Reward Miles on all sales, parts, and service. Learn more about International Trucks at your nearest location. Harvey and Company, a division of the Pike Group. Service, value, and quality equipment you can trust. HarveyCo.com. In an uncertain world, we all need a firm foundation in a province called The Rock. We understand the importance of a solid base in life. When the ground keeps shifting beneath us, we need a reliable compass to navigate with confidence, to be grounded in that which cannot move. It's found in a loving God, a living Savior, our rock, refuge, and hope in a world where we need all three. Tune to the old, old story Sundays at 10 a.m. on VOCM. Hi, I'm Christina Morgan with Ronald McDonald House Charities, Newfoundland and Labrador. We're celebrating 10 years of keeping families close. Family is medicine, and right now it's helping Ryder fight leukemia at Ronald McDonald House. When families are together, sick children get stronger. Now, more than ever, we need your help. Make a donation and help keep families together and near the medical care and resources they need. Tune in on March 22nd for the Ronald McDonald House Radiothon. Donate at rmhcnl.ca. Proudly supported by VOCM. Do you smell that? Oh, yeah. 
Marie's Mini Mart makes the best bread. The secret is making it a three-button loaf. Sounds legit. Marie's Mini Mart is your local corner store that offers so much more. From baked goods to bubble gum, lunch items to lotto tickets, snacks, drinks, plus a wide selection of local Newfoundland craft beer. Get it all at Marie's Mini Mart. Are you going to save me some? Mm-hmm. Mm. Marie's Mini Mart, your neighborhood store for over 40 years. You can't control when injuries and accidents happen or how much they'll change your life, but you can control what happens next. Call Moores & Collins Law Office, a law firm with a proven track record. Richard Collins and Douglas Moores have over 50 years of experience handling personal injury and accident claims. And when you call, you'll be able to speak directly to them. Plus, they offer no fee until you collect. Take back your control. Moores & Collins Law Office, 268 Conception Bay Highway, Bay Roberts. Open Line is brought to you by Janes and Noseworthy, licensed insolvency trustee. It's okay to hit a financial rough patch, and it's okay to get help. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. <laughs> of all the big issues we try to broach here on the show, the immediate feedback on the preamble is that I blew it. <laughs> is that the government holiday is Monday, not today. For St. Patrick's Day. I just can't keep up with all the government holidays, but apparently it's on Monday, so I appreciate the information. Okay, talk about big subjects. Let's go to line number one. Say good morning to Ron Sims, who's the only business owner on Galtus, and of course he owns Ronnie's Groceries. He joins us on one. Good morning, Ron. You're on the air. Okay, thank you, sir. Happy to have you on the program. Of course, difficult times for conversations in Galtus, but it it's interesting that the community seems to be making a real concerted effort to not amp up the rhetoric, to not be so divisive, to not be at each other's throat, because there's a lot on the line here, isn't there, Ron? Yes, there is. So for you, you want to stay. Why? Uh, I'll tell you, no, this, to me right now, I've been thinking, I was talking yesterday, one of my friends yesterday, and <clears throat> we were talking about one another. And the thing about where this stems from right now, I think it was when the Premier and our member from Parliament, a member of the House, came to pay a visit to our council last summer sometime. And why the Premier was brought into the community and why he paid a visit to us, I don't know. He, he only met with the council anyway. To me, this is where it all stems from and started. I think this is where he wanted to get the ball rolling, see if there was room, maybe to see if they could get... Now, this is the council now to see if you could get the, get the town resettled. Ron, do we happen to know any more about, you know, beyond the Premier's visit and whatever the council might be doing behind closed doors or out in the community, about who sent all those ballots to, or expressions of interest, I think they call it, to the government to even start this ball rolling? Do we know any more about that? That was one of the guys that's sitting on council. Okay. Yep, he did this, and he's still pushing the envelope now. Well, what's he doing? Well, right now he got this on the go again now because he pushed it there a while back. Last year, that was, I guess, where he got all the, when he sent all the letters out and he got about 90%. And now I guess he's trying to see now if he, he can get it on the go again, get the people up and on the go to see because, you know, greed and, and, and money in front of your hoodies, you know, they know what they're going to get and everything like this. Maybe able to tamper with people's minds and I guess them get them change. Well, money has a lot of power. We know that. It does. So, Ron, this is the third go-around for the community to talk about potentially relocating. Has anything changed for the better since the last couple of votes? Well, right now, there is some people against it now, I must say. And I'm open now, right now, with this one now. And I 
I think there's only supposed to be 75 ballots. But at the same time, there's still people outside that have been gone for a year, over a year now, has, re- has gotten those ballots. And so for you, you've been quite clear. I heard from another fellow who actually spent some of the year in Hermitage as a fisherman. But you, of course, as the only operator of a business on the island, you own the grocery store. So you want to stay. What's your argument for staying? Not only for you and your family, because apparently you're in pretty good health at the age of 77. So is your wife. You're able to keep up the lifestyle that you have today. So what's the argument that you would make for others to vote the way you intend to vote? Well, I'll tell you, the biggest part of it is is most of them are now seniors. And to me, to uproot our seniors right now, you know, to me, I think it's damaging. And I don't think I don't think for a minute that it should be done. And I don't think the government should be in on this any way, shape, or form. So how do you think it should be handled? Because that's an interesting point to make, because the government has gone from forcing people to resettle to offering the community the opportunity to vote and then all the analysis that goes into it, whether or not their savings over the course of 20 years. If the government wasn't involved, how do you think the conversation should work? Because so, for some people, I would imagine... There are, I don't know how many residents of the island, permanent residents are going to vote to leave, and they've got their own reasons, whether it be closer to family, closer to health care, or they don't see a future for themselves in Galtus any longer. So what do you think the process should look like? Well, I think the thing about it is that, you know, if they had, if the council had to come out and call a meeting and got the people's opinion of why and see just who wanted to resettle and who didn't, I think it would have made a big difference in what we're doing right now, forcing people's hands. Okay. How's business, Ron? Well, same as always. I'm still getting through with it. You know, just describe not only how business used to look for you when... Oh, no, it's business not the same now as it used to be because there's many people who have left the community since the FBI pulled out of there and one and the other because they took jobs in other places where FBI was, was, uh, was originating to. You know, help us understand what we would call the heyday of Galtus, when there would be six hundred people or so in the community. People were working, and the fishery was active, and the plant was open, yep. and it seemed like a very happy, quiet, safe place it to live. Versus what it is today. Grace. Tell us what it used to feel like in Galtus, and then paint us a picture of what it's like today. Well, you know, because I think there's only five children in school there, so things have changed dramatically. Is, yep. So tell us about the so-called heyday when the place was bustling. Yeah, it was was that was the days when you could be. Go anywhere because we had dances every weekend, and the thing about it was, people whenever they on Saturday nights, everybody was all up and ready to go to Fred Day's place for their dances or whatever. You know, those were the days that people enjoyed themselves. Everybody went to work, never said anything, you know, or kept on about anything. If you had to do without something or do without this or that, you know, nobody complained about anything. But right now, I don't know why people was the way they are. But whether it's because they want to be closer to their children, you know, I got children away too, but it doesn't make me any different that I want to be outside of them. I see them in summertime, and I see them whenever they get a chance to come out. How many children do you have, Rob? I have two. I got a daughter in St. John's that uh, works for the government, and I got uh, my son lives up on the West Coast, and he's teaching up there. He's been up there now. He's, oh, uh, this last year, for I don't think he's going to retire all the same, but... So what would change for you, for you to have a change of heart? Would it be if all of a sudden you weren't feeling as healthy as you are today, thankfully so, you and your wife needed to be closer to health care? Or is there anything that could ever convince you that Galtus is well, going to be left in the rearview mirror? 
But the thing about me is that I've always been a guy that's been always had something. I've never been a guy that's been in the house with me, uh, with me, chummy on the television watching that or that. And I only watch the television when I come to the house suffering and watch the news or whatever. You know, a lot of people, when they retire, they think they got to go in the house and, and, and be a couch potato. But that's not, that's, that's not my way. I've never been, I've never done that. And I've, you know, I don't feel like that I should give up. Like, I'm, I'm always active. So it's I feel better for it, I guess. I do a lot of walking, so, you know. Well, that's basically the mode of transportation. It's quads and trikes and walking on Galtus because the other, uh, the only couple of vehicles, I think, are operated by the town. That's right. Ron, it's good to have you on the show. I know this is going to be a difficult couple of weeks as we make our way towards the 6th of April to see what the community has decided, but I really appreciate your time and hope you're doing okay. Yep, thank you, too. Thanks, Ron. Bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Ron, or Ronnie Sims, who owns Ron's Grocery in Galtus. And, of course, obviously, to say the very least, there's a lot on the line when the community entertains this type of conversation. In some communities, it has been extremely heated. And, you know, division at the, uh, their own coffee table or, pardon me, their own kitchen table, let alone when they speak with other community members. All of a sudden, friendly neighbors became enemies over something which is important. You know, so anyway, if you are on the other side of the coin or you just want to talk about the whole concept of where some of the smaller communities go in the future, it's difficult. It might be awkward and emotional, but of course, it's also the reality for many. Let's go to line number two. Good morning, Elaine. You're on the air. Good morning, Patty. How are you? Couldn't be better. How about you? I am doing wonderful. Great. Uh, Patty, uh, I received a call uh, from Labrador Grenfell Health. Uh, in regards to a medical appointment. Um, I am not under the Labrador Grenfell Health. I live here uh, within the Mount Pearl, St. John's area. Um, this appointment uh, was for a lady. Uh, she Her appointment is at uh, the Charles Memorial Hospital in St. Anthony. But I've gotten this call for somebody totally different that's waiting on an ultrasound. Um, I'm mortified. I, when I checked this, uh, the appointment's for the 21st of March. So I did not know what to do this morning after I read the message on my phone that I missed yesterday. And this, this poor lady is waiting on this appointment but they're calling the wrong person. Like, how can this happen in our health care today? I know visiting a hospital ain't easy today, and getting these appointments is very, very long. This lady could have a health condition, like myself right now, that I'm waiting on emergency appointments. This could be something that this lady needs in order to survive. But they are not accurate on what they're doing. This is very scary, Patty. Well, I mean, we talk about our personal information being compromised, and we know that the system has been hacked, and, of course, we're still sending around my personal medical information on fax machines, so there's lots of, uh, I think, shortcomings. I know this lady's name. I know that she lives in Labrador. I know that she got a medical appointment coming up on the 21st. Like, I know information that I shouldn't even know. You should not. Does she happen to have the same name? Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Totally different. Her starts with the letter B. I starts with the letter E. So, Patty, 
I'm telling you, I've been through a lot over the past two years, and our medical system uh, it started from COVID, and now I'm waiting on more serious tests uh, for something more serious. So I fell through those gaps, and I hope and pray today that this lady, uh, whoever you are, and I'm hoping you're listening this morning, that you got to go on the 21st, for this appointment, whoever you are out there, please, please, please call the hospital, inquire. If you're waiting on any type of ultrasounds, x-rays, anything, call the local hospital. Because this could be life-threatening, Patty. Absolutely. Who knows what the uh, status of that person's medical uh, condition might be. So, you know, we've got to be very, very careful with any type oh. of information. But phoning the wrong person and informing them that they've got an upcoming appointment and it's not the right person, it's not the right health authority, it's not the right town, not the right community, no, not the right phone number. not the right anything. Terrible. Oh, my goodness. So I'm just hoping that this person, it is a female, um, so the St. Anthony area, if you're living in around the Labrador Grenfell, down around St. Anthony, and you are expecting an appointment, please contact Charles... Uh, I can't. I don't know the name of the hospital. I'm not familiar with that area, so I'm just going to say Charles Memorial. Uh, contact that hospital. You have an appointment on the 21st. Hopefully they do exactly that, or hopefully the health authority figured it out and called the right person. And Elaine, you say you're, you're waiting on some tests. How are you? Um, I've been very, very sick, Patty. Very sick. Um, COVID uh, took... Uh, two years now, I'm blaming it on COVID because that's how it started. A year and a half, I was laid up, wasn't able to work anything. Uh, now, um, there's more serious matter. I got some scarring in it on the lungs from pneumonia, but they think there's something else there. So I'm just waiting on tests. It, it just could be, you know, just scarring from pneumonia, but I'm dealing with pneumonia since I had um covid uh vocals are coming and going so it's long how covid symptoms that i got but it's very difficult patty and i'm not the only one that's out there that's having you know issues or long-term problems but the important thing here is doctors have to pay attention to their patients they have to listen to them it might not sound uh, to our medical profession out there uh, sound normal, like we might come across as being a little bit eccentric. But we're the ones that we know our body and we know what we need to do. But the medical here, you got to work as a team. Everything is a team, no matter if you're in a family or if you're playing games or you're in a hustle, everything is teamwork, no matter where you go in life. I've fell through the cracks, Patty, and it's unfortunate, and there's so many more out there in our province that has. But the doctors are doing the best they can under the circumstances that they have. Elaine, I hope you get the the tests and the treatment you need, uh, and I hope you're okay. I appreciate your time uh, this morning. Absolutely, and I hope this other lady is going to be okay as well, Patty. Keep up the wonderful job. I love your show. You have wonderful topics, but the most important topic today is our health care system. Uh, these communities, uh, like the Bonavista uh, community, a lot of great people out there. Um, come on, government, please. Come on. 
uh, we matter, no matter if we're on the high scale or the low scale, everybody matters. But our rural communities, Patty, just before we go, I know I'm off on another topic, okay. but them rural communities, last one leave and turn out the light. That's the only thing I'm going to say. I appreciate your time and I wish you well, Elaine. Thank you, darling. You have a great day, Patty. You too. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that healthcare is the biggest concern that most people have in the province. And, you know, it's a struggle sometimes to know exactly what we could or should be talking about. But, of course, it doesn't matter if I bring it up. It's up to you what we talk about. So let's try to do exactly that. I think I made it through the opening uh, remarks this morning without even talking about health care, which is really difficult to do, to be honest. But, of course, that's on the front burner. If you want to talk about that or anything else under the sun, you can do it right after this break. Don't go away. VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Listen to over 500 radio stations from anywhere in Canada with Radio Player Canada, the must-have app that's as Canadian as you are. Friendly, ready-to-party, great company. Enjoy every type of radio station anywhere, anytime. Listen through your phone, Sonos, Google Chromecast, Google Home, Amazon Echo, Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto. Download the Radio Player Canada app today. It's where Canadian radio plays. Your weekend visits to Irving just got 10 times more rewarding. Get 10 times the Air Miles Reward Miles every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when you swipe and fuel 20 liters or more for limited time only. Conditions apply. Opt in at airmiles.ca slash Irving opt in. Hi. It's Mark here from Cowan's Optical. Come in and see for yourself why Cowan's Optical is your number one choice for all your eye care needs. Start with booking your eye exam today or just bring in your current prescription, no matter where you had your eye exam. Choose from our huge selection of the latest fashion frames. Need a second pair? No problem. We got you covered there too with our two-for-one offer. Check out cowansoptical.ca to find a location near you. Cowan's Optical, where our focus is on you. Satisfy your appetite at Tiny's Bar and Grill in Paradise. Stop in for great daily specials like Jigs Dinner on Sundays, noon till it's gone. Mondays, pick up a personal size three topping pizza and fountain pop for $10.99. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are wing night, just $8.99 per pound. Choose from 11 varieties of wings, 4 p.m. to close. And Thursdays are burger night. Choose your favorite for just $9.99, plus daily lunch features for under 15 bucks. Get your fill at Tiny's Bar and Grill, 1378 Topsail Road in Paradise. Newfoundlanders love telling stories, and for 50 years, Breakwater Books has been bringing Newfoundland stories to the world, with hundreds of homegrown authors from every corner of the province writing novels, cookbooks, history, art, books for kids, and more. Breakwater is celebrating Newfoundland stories this March with free shipping. Stock up for yourself at home or send to friends. Visit breakwaterbooks.com and enter the code FREESHIP50 at checkout to get your favorite books sent anywhere in Canada absolutely free. Whenever you've needed us, Federal Public Service workers have been here for Canada. We delivered the services you rely on through this crisis and the next. But for nearly two years, we've been on the front lines without a contract. That's a big problem because while the government stalls on making things right, we all pay the price. Workers can't wait. None of us can. Learn more at workerscantwait.ca. A message from the Public Service Alliance of Canada.
Savings are everywhere this month at Cohen's. Save $300 on a six-piece queen bedroom set and save $400 on a six-piece dining set with bench. Plus more savings in our new bi-weekly flyer on Rebe and at Cohen's.ca. Cohen's, where the home is. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Let us go. Line number one. Sam, you're on the air. Good morning, Patty, and happy St. Patty's Day. The very same to you, Sam. Thank you. Yes, the reason why I'm calling is because, like it says, uh, you know how our health care is a shambles. <clears throat> on, uh, April, on March 14th, I went in the pharmacy to get a prescription. I went to find out that I can't get it because I already had it extend once. And uh, I tried to book a point with a doctor before that, and uh, she canceled it because she had an emergency. So anyway, she, I booked another point with her. I can't see her till. March to from March April the fourth. So do we? I got no prescription for at all from her. So anyway, I called eight one one, and they can't book a prescription till March nineteenth, maybe. That's the MP. So the hospital, if you got a career or you got a job, you can't go spend four to nine hours in a hospital because you mean you're cutting into your time or your money or whatever you're doing, right? So the, the, the health care is failing and is even failing worse. So, you mean, right now, it's uh, I won't have a, I'm out of prescription since uh, Tuesday, and I won't probably get nothing till Sunday or Monday. And I'm a diabetic, type 2. So, this isn't something that can be handled inside the pharmacy? No, no, because they already extended it once, and I went there to ask for it the second time, and they said, no, we only can do that once. We're not allowed. We can lose our jobs. You know, when it comes to things like this, if, if there's something that is an ongoing issue, an ongoing prescription that you've had for X number of years, things haven't changed, symptoms haven't waned, it's funny just how many hoops people have to jump through sometimes. I hear from a, a couple of pharmacists in particular who say that if they, if they were allowed to do their job the way they're trained and licensed to do their job, some of these concerns would go away immediately. Yeah, it's unfortunate it's happening. So what are the real-life implications, Sam, of being without this particular prescription for an well, X number of days? Well, just put it this way. You mean a diabetic without your uh, diabetic prescriptions? Guess what? You mean you're, you're, you're right now I'm, my body, I'm really tired because I don't have my diabetes medication. So you got no energy. You're, you're, you're scared of anything because your sugars can go up or down. So you got to monitor that morning and evening. And uh, it affects your, the way you perform in your activities each day, working or, or career-wise, whatever you're doing. And it seems like nobody cares. Doctors, I mean, this is a health concern, and nobody cares because the pharmacy can't do it because you're scared to get fired. Your doctor is not even, even around in the community to, to take appointments or in a, until later beyond the, the date that you need your prescription. And the nurse practitioners... You mean if you call in eight one one? Well, we can't get you in until uh, March fourteenth or March March fourteenth, March nineteenth. So you're here. You are five days without prescriptions, and there's nothing. Nobody can do because I mean I contact pharmaceutical, I contact the um, the doctor's office, clinic, I contact uh, the eight one one number. So where's your options? What do you do? You can't get it. You can just spend nine hours in the hospital. Because that's what you're going to wait for to see a triage. Depends on what time you go to an eating. Triages are gone at nighttime. 
So what are you going to do? Wait, now, there's no triage nurse at the emergency room close by where you live? At and night? At night time, no. Not after, after midnight, only during uh, the daytime hours. Oh, interesting. These are things that can be settled and solved. You know, we talk about recruiting all the time, retention and all that stuff. But sometimes what gets lost in the shuffle here is just letting people who are trained to do whatever they're able to do, let them. You know, I, and it doesn't matter what discipline we're talking about. If there's LPNs or nurse practitioners out there who can be doing more because they have the training and the license for it, let's just let people do their job as opposed to all the territorial wrangling that seems to be part of healthcare. Sam, I hope you're going to be okay until you get your prescription, and I appreciate the well, time this morning. I hope so, too, because I, mean, I really hope so. I mean, and then also for the doctor shortage, I don't understand why the doctor's not trying to reach out and get doctors to different countries besides only the British Commonwealth countries because it seems like they're only looking into British Commonwealth countries. They're not looking into other countries like Morocco or, or Philippines or Thailand or China, only the British Commonwealth countries. And, uh, and uh, uh, that makes me wonder, why do you prefer British Commonwealth, not the other countries? Why not the world? If you can speak English and you're a doctor in that country, you should be able to adopt here because if you go to that country, you're going to need their services. Why can't they practice here? You I mean, we wouldn't have these problems if we had more doctors, right? People don't want to stay here. People's coming to the island to retire. There's certainly, uh, there certainly some of the population uptick is exactly that. Sam, I'm off to another call, but you take good care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bro. Bye, Sam. All right, let's keep going. So I noticed someone in my neighborhood put a green spotlight up uh, over their eve or in their eve to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Some people go a little bit further, including our guest coming up on line number four. That's James Keating. Good morning, James. You're on the air. Good morning, Patty. Listen, welcome to the show. Sometimes it's nice to shift gears and have a bit of a fun chat. You guys have taken St. Patrick's Day to another level out front of the house in the snow. What do you got going? Oh, we got a leprechaun uh, holding a shamrock on our lawn. Uh, a little bit of fun for the kids and right next to the school so that helps and uh you know just take everybody's mind off this long winter that we're having yeah because it's this time of march where it really starts to drag on i have the pictures it's really good work who's been involved in the who's the architect who builds these sculptures that was me and my son ashton right on and so what's what's ashton's role and how old is he ashton is 18 now and he's been doing them with me well, since he could walk, and I've been doing them since I'm about 12 years old. We've done, uh, we, we usually do them down on Canada Drive where I used to live, but now we're in Shea Heights, so this is going to be our new locale. So this is a tradition? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, good for you. The, the pictures are really quite uh, quite brilliant, to be honest with you. Who's got all the skills here? Who's uh, wielding the knife or the chainsaw or whatever you used to, especially care about things like that? Very crisp <laughs> shamrock. <laughs> that was both of us. Okay. Both of us. He learned real well over the years. <laughs> and you've taken out some of the complexity because you got the hat down over the eye so you don't kind of figure out the face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's, you know, in uh, in line with a gnome. So. <laughs> well, this is a good size gnome. It's hard for me to tell from the photos, but it looks like it's like four feet high. It's about six feet high. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's hopefully. A little more. Hopefully the children uh, in and out of school. So I'm assuming the school is St. John Bosco, right? That's the yeah, only school yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, really want to have uh, a happy St. Patrick's Day. Is there anything else inside the celebrations today that you and Ashton or you or the family or you and your buddies do? Well, we're going to put out a pot of gold with some uh, some treats in a bowl. So there'll be, uh, there'll be some uh, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow from when he gets out of school. <laughs> Nicely done, James. Good, uh, good, lo- good on you and Ashton. The sculptures are really cool. And happy St. Patrick's Day to you and your family. Thank you, Patty. Same to you. All the best.
Bye-bye. Uh, the pitchers are really quite something. So they're six feet tall. A lot of effort goes into that. And the shamrock on the front of the garden home is actually very, very crisp. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, Jeff wants to have a chat about the show. Okay. And then Neil wants to talk about Eastern Health. What about it? We'll find out. Don't go away. VOCM's open line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. You know what's better than Robin's coffee? Uh, having it with a Robin's treat? Ooh, good thinking. But not quite. <laughs> Take a look. Oh, sip to win is back. It's that time of year at Robin's. Grab a medium, large, or extra large coffee from Robin's for your chance to win one of their incredible prizes, including amazing Robin's gift packs, thousands of drink prizes, and a grand prize of $10,000. Sip to win at Robin's, where what's inside the cup is the true prize. Robin's, fast, fresh, and friendly. I'm Jillian Ryan, registered audiologist at New Life Hearing. Do you strain to hear a conversation, think people mumble, misunderstand conversations, or ask for words to be repeated? Are you having trouble hearing the TV, radio, or listening on the phone? Have ringing in your ears? Current recommendations suggest a hearing test before the age of 55. Take action today towards improving your quality of life and contact the audiologists of New Life Hearing at 800-7343 or at newlifehearing.ca. Your journey to better hearing starts at New Life. This week could be your lucky one with the Lions Club VOCM Cares Radio Bingo. It's week 23 and the jackpot is maxed out at $8,046 with a consolation prize estimated at $3,500. Plus, there's an additional $3,000 in guaranteed prizing. Cards are just $4 each and available now. Get yours early and listen live on your radio Saturday, March 18th at 6 p.m. on the VOCM Network and 5.30 on Big Land. For a list of retailers and more info, follow VOCM Cares Bingo on Facebook or go to VOCMCares.com. Test your next Mitsubishi SUV and discover a truly unmatched driving experience with their most advanced all-wheel drive system that'll deliver maximum traction and control for a confident drive in any conditions. Mitsubishi's incredible lineup of SUVs offer award-winning safety features, versatility, and exceptional fuel economy. And right now, you'll get competitive interest rates plus the best warranty in the industry. Book your test drive today at CapitalMitsubishi.ca. Did you know at Vogue Optical, when you get more, you save more. When you purchase one pair of eyewear, you save $100. Purchase two pairs and get your second pair free. And it doesn't stop there. When you purchase three pairs of eyewear, get your second pair free, plus get 50% off your third pair. Never be caught without a spare pair again. We can also arrange your eye exams. Check out our website, Facebook page, or in-store for details. Saving money is wise, and making your home more energy efficient is a step in the right direction. Heat Pump Solutions provides a professional and efficient experience while saving you thousands of dollars in the process. Rebates up to $10,000 and 0% financing for 10 years. You can finance up to $40,000 in energy upgrades, like Fujitsu heat pumps and electrical service upgrades, and receive up to $10,000 back. Call 834-5247 to chat about your options. Heat Pump Solutions Limited, your local Fujitsu dealer. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. Let's go. Line number three, Neil, you're on the air. Yes, good morning, Petty. Morning to you. This must be a, a great day for you, Petty's Day. Well, it's all about me, Neil. Yes, yes, no doubt about it. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the show. 
You're doing a great job. You deserve Patty's Day. I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks a lot. What's on your mind this morning? Yes, I'm calling. Uh, well, I did send you in a, uh, a uh, letter that I had received from uh, Eastern Health regarding uh, joint replacement surgeries. Oh, yes. I saw it. So you, you received it? I did. And uh, where they're moving, uh, trying to speed up the process, which is good, and uh, wanting people to go to St. They're giving them an uh, option to go to St. Anthony. Uh, me living here in the St. John's area. So uh, right now they're telling me I'm 10 months out from uh, getting my hip replacement. But uh, to speed up, uh, I can go to uh, St. Anthony and probably get it done faster. And that's great, great news. But I guess like everything else with the government, Eastern Health, uh, there's a catch to it all. And uh, so, uh, you know, basically I can go, but I had to cover all expenses, flights, hotel, food, transportation, and whatever. Uh, I guess that's not very, very cheap. Uh, somebody even go to St. Johnson Anthony and, uh, and have this surgery done. Not only that, you're not, you're not going there the same day and traveling back. Somebody with a hip replacement uh, is certainly not going to be able to drive up and drive back. So I guess the only option is to fly up, and then uh, you got to get transportation back and forth to a hotel you're driving. So uh, my question is, you know, where's our equal health too? You know, uh, our health care is supposed to be equal. No odds if you're rich or poor. And when they threw this letter right to you, it's like they throwing a, uh, a bone to a dog and saying, "Here, you know, come and uh, we can do this for you." But uh, here's the cost to you. Now, I suppose somebody uh, that's uh, got lots of money versus someone who don't have much money. Uh, guess who's going first, and who who got to go in back of the bus? So, you know, uh, the the letter was very disturbing, I think, you know, to, to people who wouldn't be able to to afford to take them up on this offer. Fair enough. And this kind of stuff, you know, it seems kind of backwards to be asked to move from the larger center to a very small center to get this type of surgery. We do know they've expanded hip and, uh, hip and knee uh, replacement surgeries. Up into St. Anthony, I think they're also going to establish it in another part of the province. I can't remember which community that would maybe Carbonair. And, you know, this is happening more and more across the country where the private clinics have seen a massive uh, increase in the numbers of people coming to them to pay out of pocket. Now, I don't blame anyone. If they've got the $25,000 to pay for a hip or knee replacement, fair enough. But very soon, if we're not careful, that's going to be more and more prominent. Now, there's lots of private health care already in the system, but that seems to be getting more and more popular. And as governments try to struggle with getting the procedures done and the healthcare professionals to do them, this is going to be, I think, more common than not in the very near future. So how are you feeling, though? Because the problem with waiting so long for a hip or a knee is maybe some people are, for all intents and purposes, bedridden. And if you've got the bad knee, all of a sudden with the limp you've got, next thing you know, you've got a bad hip, too. So how are you doing? Yeah, well, that's that's exactly where I fall into. You know, uh, 
uh, your hip is so bad that you're pretty much, you know, house ridden for sure. And, uh, you know, another way I look at this is my hip may be a lot worse than yours. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I should be not as priority, but because I'm I'm worse than you are, I should be uh, getting mine done before you. But because you can afford to pay for the go out and get the service done outside, and I can't, uh, you know, uh, you go and I stay, and although I'm worse than you. So, you know, it don't add up. And for Eastern Health to to throw that out to you, you know, like I said, it's like throwing a bone out to a dog and, and trying to convince you to come. Another question, uh, Petty, I would say to that, for example, let's say 90% of the people took up the people or took up Eastern Health on this offer and decided to go to St. Anthony to get it done. Now, what happens now? Now they're backed up in St. Anthony again. If, if a lot of people uh, uh, takes them up on the offer, and uh, in my case, I, I, I'm ten months out. So if everyone decides to go to St. Anthony, I'm probably still going to be ten months out if everyone's doing taking up that offer. You know. Absolutely. You know, it, it is fine to make it available in different communities, as we should. It shouldn't be all about having to trek all the way to St. John's for everything under the sun. But if we're not adding people to the system, and I mean healthcare professionals, then I'm not so sure how quickly we're attending to the backlog and the wait list. You shouldn't have to wait a year to get a joint replaced. You, you just shouldn't. I think the national benchmark is much less than that. I think the national standard is six months, and we haven't hit that target here in this province for quite a while. Neil, I hope you're doing okay. I'm glad you called this morning, and good luck with it. Okay, then uh, thanks very much, Eddie. My pleasure. Take good care. Yeah, Bye-bye. All right, uh, let's go. Line number two. Jeff, you're on the air. Hello, Patty Daly. Hello there. I thought I'd call in just with uh, something, a light topic for today. Just Fire away. To, uh, change her up. Sure. Well, I'm kind of a, an open line aficionado. I started listening way back in the early 90s when I was uh, still in high school. I had a summer job on a uh, fishing boat. And old fellow on the boat uh, put on Ron Pumphrey one evening. I used to go in his cabin. We used to every now and then have a have a St. Pierre grog, and he put on uh, Ron Pumphrey, see? Love it. And Hello, so, my lovelies. Uh, yes, exactly. And the other thing that's funny about Ron Pumphrey was, uh, you know how everyone calls? They always say, hi, hi, Patty, how you doing? Yeah. Ron used to get poisoned with that, right? He used to always say, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of his trademarks. Yeah, oh, I know. I choose not to be frustrated by that because I know full well people are just asking to be kind. So I, I don't. But it doesn't bother me. I just try to mix up my response. That's all. <laughs> yeah, of course. People are just looking to um, to say hello. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the connection's a bit weak here now. Did you move or what happened? Are you still there, Jeff? Oh, sorry about that. No problem. Go right ahead. What else is on your mind? You dropped out for a second. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I listened from then to now, and I think I've heard almost every host. 
And uh, some of my favorites, like you can't, uh, I was wondering if you happened to catch the interview the other day with uh, Carl Wells and Bill Rowe. Carl's got this great program that he has on Rogers. I I don't have Rogers in my home anymore. I used to, but as soon as they fired me, I ditched it. Oh, I didn't know you were fired. Wow. No, they they told me I was a budget cut, which is fine. But I enjoyed my time on Out of the Fog, to be honest. I put in a good run of four full seasons. But yeah, after I left or we parted ways, we did so with their telecom services as well. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, I didn't know that. But I do remember Jan Rogers, actually, on Out of the Fog, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, Bill was on the other day. And this is one of the reasons why I thought I'd call, because he was doing the whole history. So my... My history with Open Line starts back in the early 90s. So it was Ron Pumphrey on Nightline. And I believe you got your start on Nightline, right? I did so. And uh, and then Bill Rowe, obviously, in the daytime. But uh, Bill went right back to when, he, when it first the program first started, which I'm not exactly sure when it started in the late 70s or 80s. But I'm not. do you know that one? I'm not entirely sure of the exact date, but I think these shows have been on for 50 years, maybe, is it, Greg? Something like that, 40 or 50 years. So, yeah, long run. Amazing. Anyway, Bill was... Obviously, he's he's one of the greats to ever sit in the chair, right? But he could get feisty at times, too. And oh, yeah. the other night, when he was on with Carl, uh, he, you know, there was a glimmer of that, right? He was uh, he, he holds no punches. That's what I love about Bill. When he's talking about people, he tells you the good things that he liked about them, and he's not afraid to tell you the things about the person that he didn't like. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I I really like Bill personally, and we've had some great chats, and we've been interviewed together a couple of times and things like that. Bill Rowe is the longest-serving host on the talk shows here on VOCM. Uh, And apparently, I didn't know this, but someone told me I'm the second-longest-serving host, which is interesting. And I followed Bill twice. So Bill Rowe, the absolute legend, I took over for Bill on Backtalk, which was a handful, and then I took over for him on Open Line. So twice I've had to follow in in the steps of Bill Rowe, which has been a bitty, pretty mighty task. It was on my mind when I first started, I can tell you that. Yes, because Harry, I mean, I'd be very, I mean, I have a, I, I, I read three of Bill's books and actually went and had one signed by him one time up to Costco. And uh, when I got in front of the man, I uh, clammed right up. I was uh, intimidated because he's such a, a sharp intellect. Yep. But uh, a couple of other honorable mentions that I loved over the years, hosting Open Line. Uh, I really liked uh, Pete Susie. And um, I don't know exactly what went on. There are rumors in the out there that uh, something happened there, but I never did get the full story about uh, Pete's departure from the show. But I thought he made a fine get, uh, fine host. Me too. Uh, and uh, to be honest, you know, for some reason, people thought uh, that I should take some blame for that kind of stuff. I had no earthly idea it was happening until it happened. I, I still don't know what went on. And some of that is because it's not really any of my business exactly what happened there. Uh, but Pete played an important role in the afternoon program. There's no talk, no doubt about that. People still ask for those shows to come back, and they talk to me about it all the time. Uh, Pete's a friend of mine, and I don't know what happened there to this day. I just do not. I, as a matter of fact, when all of that happened, I was actually live on the air. When Pete came into the studio to take some of his personal belongings out of the cabinet that we share in here, and I still, at that point, I didn't know what was happening at all. And it wasn't until after the show that someone filled me in that uh, the show had been cancelled, and that's that. So I found out the same time everyone else found out. Don't know, don't know what happened. I really don't. Uh, as much of an, as an aficionado I am, I really don't know the backstory. All I know is that uh, I really thought that Pete was a intelligent, level-headed, reasonable guy. You know, with the guy sitting in the chair. You have to be able to relate to the guy sitting in the chair, and 
and a lot of times when Pete gave an opinion, it just made sense. And um, one more honorable mention, I always liked Randy. Yeah, a lot of people did. Grand old fella. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's it. I'll wrap it up for now. I'll call back some other time with my top three favorite current regular contributors, regular callers, my top three current, and then maybe down the line my top three least favorites. <laughs> Did Bill have anything to say about me when he was talking to Carl? Uh, no, actually, and uh, that did not come up. But but that reminds me, I think that you should uh, do that sit-down interview with Carl. I've been on with Carl a couple of times, uh, especially on One Chef, One Critic. <clears throat> I did that show a couple of times with himself and Chef Steve Watson. Uh, love Carl. Personally, I've had a long-time relationship with Carl when we were both in the Rogers stable at the same time. And, of course, his, his contribution to the province on air has been mighty, to say the very least. I uh, appreciate the time. Jeff, uh, thanks for tuning in to the program, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Yeah, and by the way, you're, you're right up there, too, with all the, all the greats, buddy. You're doing a fantastic job. And I appreciate it. Fingers crossed you will beat the record that Bill currently holds. Oh, my God, bite your tongue. <laughs> thanks jeff uh, all right have a nice day you too bye-bye Bye. yeah there's been a long list of uh people who have sat in these chairs or this chair i suppose all right let's go ahead and take a break for the 10 o'clock news when we come back tons of time to speak with you about whatever you want to talk about don't go away you're listening to the vocm bigland fm radio network stingray radio stations Local News Now, a VOCM News Update. This news is presented by Rogers Rogers Moist Lawyers. They stand for you. Call 722-3777. Rogers Rogers Moist. Five after ten, just a bit of drizzle in Metro now, temperature at zero. Good morning, I'm Brian Medore. Condolences pouring in for two police officers killed in the line of duty just after midnight Wednesday. The officers been identified as 35-year-old Constable Travis Jordan, 30-year-old Constable Brett Ryan. They were responding to a family dispute at an apartment building in northwest Edmonton. Canadian Press is reporting that a 16-year-old boy wounded his mother and then died of self-inflicted wounds. Police chief says neither officer had a chance to discharge his firearm. RCMP in Newfoundland and Labrador say their hearts are with the families and friends of the fallen officers. RNC also sending deepest condolences, saying they stand with their colleagues in Edmonton Hockey NL, also sending messages of support. Constable Ryan was a hockey official. The only business owner in the once bustling but isolated town of Galtus on the south coast is suspicious about what sparked the latest debate on resettlement. The residents of Galtus, which is only accessible by ferry or helicopter, once again, voting on whether or not to accept a relocation package. The town voted against resettlement in 2015. According to Stats Canada, as of 2021, the town had a population of 100. Galtus saw a huge decline through the 1980s and 90s and lost most of its population after the Cod Moratorium in 1992. Ron Sims of Ronnie's Groceries told VOCM Open Line with Patty Daly, latest debate began after a visit to the community by the premier last summer the thing about where this stems from right now i think it was when the premier and our member from parliament a member of the house came to pay a visit to our council last summer sometime and why the premier was brought into the community and why he paid a visit to us i don't know he, 
you only meet with the council anyway. To me, this is where it all stems from and started. I think this is where they wanted to get the ball rolling, see if there was room, maybe to see if they could get. Now, this is the council now, to see if you could get the, get the town resettled. People who suffer from chronic pain hoping for a dedicated clinic have suffered a major setback. Provincial government called for proposals for a pain management clinic last year, but has since cancelled the plan. Medicuro, a virtual service based in central Newfoundland, submitted a proposal as did Deloitte. Dr. Todd Young of Medicuro contacted the minister's office and was told only that the development of such a clinic was cancelled for budgetary reasons. Treatment of such pain often requires a multidisciplinary approach such as that which would have been offered at the pain management clinic. However, Young says, is now back to square one. So we have still 20% of people that have chronic pain. We have, you know, a fragmented, unreliable system, and we have 27% of patients who do not have access to a primary care provider, let alone a primary care provider who is willing to treat their chronic pain. It is eight minutes after 10. Up next, I'll have your weather forecast. You've been injured in an auto accident. 120 days have passed and you haven't filed a claim yet. If you think you're out of time, don't worry. The lawyers at Rogers Rogers Moise can help. You can still receive a settlement even if your accident occurred more than 120 days ago. Call the experts at Rogers Rogers Moise to get your claim back on track. Call 722-3777. Rogers, Rogers Moise. We stand for you. This VOCM weather is brought to you by Vogue Optical, where your second pair is always free. Let Vogue Optical arrange your next eye exam today. Trust us, your eyes will thank you. St. John's through Clarenville will have just a drizzle today, a cloud this afternoon and tonight. Northwesterlies at 40, temperature plus 2, daytime minus 2 overnight. Tomorrow looking good, cloudy, light winds plus 2, some snow or rain on Sunday. Central about 5 centimeters of snow today, another few tonight. Winds around 50 all the way through, temperature near 0 and and for Saturday, looking good, light winds and plus one, snow or rain on Sunday. South coast cloudy and plus four the next couple of days. Actually, some sunshine coming in tomorrow, light winds all the way through. And west coast northern peninsula, plus five, plus four the next two days with light winds, minus four overnight, showers or flurries on Sunday. Goose Bay looking at light winds, plus three today, light winds and minus three tomorrow, some snow on Sunday. Lab West, minus 1 today, but minus 16 overnight, uh, minus 8 with light snow on Saturday. And the North Coast, minus 5 today with light winds, minus 11 overnight, minus 7 with light winds tomorrow. Right now, Metro, temperature 0, still a bit of drizzle around. Back with an update at 11 o'clock for VOCM News. I'm Brian Medor. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. Let's go to line number one. Say good morning to the executive director at CNL. That's Ryan Clary. Ryan, you're on the air. Uh, good morning, Patty. Do you and your listeners? Thanks for taking the call. Sir. Happy to do it. And happy St. Patty's Day. Thanks a lot. Same to you, Ryan. And uh, I'll start off with a little bit of trivia, though. I want to talk about the fishery, but this is kind of fishery related. Patty, I don't know if you're aware or not. Maybe you are, but Newfoundland is the only place outside of Europe with a distinct Irish name. Do you know what that Irish name is? An Irish name, like a surname, you mean? No, no, uh, an Irish name for Newfoundland. Outside oh. of Europe. Gosh, I don't know. The only place. Uh, it's, it's actually, uh, forgive my Gaelic now, I'm not, uh, I don't speak Gaelic, but it's Talam an Eich. Uh, that may be totally wrong, 
but what it that's the Gaelic for land of the fish. Is that right? I did not know that. Yeah, true as God. I like it. Uh, yeah, no, I love it too, which uh, is a good segue directly into my topics, which are all about fish. Um, there's three or four topics I want to bring up just quickly, Patty. Number one is mackerel right off the bat. Um, the federal minister is set to make a decision soon on whether or not to lift that mackerel, the moratorium on mackerel that she imposed last year. Of course, she imposed that moratorium last year when the United States, which fishes the same stock, continued to fish under a 5,000-ton quota. The U.S. has already announced a 3,600-ton quota for 2023. Our federal minister has yet to make a decision on whether or not to, to open the Canadian fishery. Again, it fishes the same stock. Um, and she was down at Boston Seafood this w- show this week speaking about this. But on behalf of CNL, on behalf of inter-enterprise owners right across this province, we're, we're urging the federal minister to reopen the macro fishery. It shouldn't have been closed in the first place. All DFO science is questionable. And then that decision to take fishermen off the water when they're the, the eyes and the ears in, in the absence of good science, we think that that decision was wrong from 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 the get from the get go. So we're urging the federal minister to reopen the mackerel fishery this year. It's a clear example of one of the joint fishery issues that we share with the Northeastern United States. We know full well it's the exact same stock, the anecdotal evidence, because it's not like you have to do a sentinel fishery to see whether or not there's mackerel in the bay. You can see from a helicopter that it teems at the top of the water. So it's there, and I've seen lots of pictures and videos, and I've heard from a ton of harvesters around the province, some of which were amongst the 185 that I think were polled by the union to bring their thoughts to the matter here. So even if it's a reduced quota... It does sound like it makes sense that if the Americans are fishing a reduced quota, like you mentioned, then the opportunity is here for us because it's not just about the value of the mackerel itself because it has implications as a bait fish, especially, like for instance, in the lobster fishery. So it's a bigger than just one species issue. Absolutely right, Patty. And it's also about principle. The fact that the U.S. fishermen continue to fish, we don't, and I mentioned to you this before, but it reminds me of the early 90s when they shut down the northern cod fishery and it was still a free-for-all in terms of the migratory stock outside 200 miles, it may not. This is not to put the U.S. in the same category as as uh, some of these Portuguese and, and Spanish trawlers, and that. But uh, it was the wrong decision from the get-go. The, the second point, Patty, is about Capelin. There was a, a Capelin advisory this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was announced on BOCM. I know you, you've spoken about it. Um, the particular Capelin stock they spoke about, Patty, was uh, 2J3KL, which is Southern Labrador east coast of Newfoundland, but it also included 3PS uh, mm-hmm. off the south coast of, of Newfoundland. And so uh, that science, um, the science came out. Uh, one of the first questions that was asked in that meeting this week, uh, Patty, uh, well, first off, for that 2J3KL 3PS Cape Land fishery last year, there was no fishery. Uh, there was a 14,000-ton quota, but there was no fishery because of a dispute between about the buyers, all buyers not being prepared to buy um, uh, Cape Land. Um, but one of the first questions that was asked at that science meeting was whether the absence of a Capelin fishery, none of the 14,000-ton quota was taken, had an impact one way or the other, positive, negative, or status quo on the stock. And DFO Science says straight up, they have no idea, no idea whatsoever. So from our perspective, the impact of any kind of a Capelin fishery is negligible, that 14,000 tons, again, it wasn't taken. Uh, negligible compared to seals and whales and, and, and everything else. Uh, my broader point about that was last year, after the federal minister announced the Cape One quota, groups like Oceana Canada came out and said, shut it down. 
shut down the commercial Cakeland fishery. But what bothered me about that, Patty, is groups like Oceana, they don't have stands on the seal hunt. And, of course, seals uh, eat more Cakeland than anything else. Um, And because they have no stands on things like seals, the impact of seals on Cakeland, the impact of, of foreign fishing, for example, on all stocks, it makes me suspicious of the motives of groups like Oceana Canada. And we all have to be aware that they're, they're, we're, we're suspicious for a good reason. Uh, they may have a background agenda. Maybe they're, uh, they're I, I suspect they're anti-seal hunt, that sort of thing. So, um, we're, so the recommendation from CNL is to reopen the Capelin fishery, have a, a quarter of at least last year's level, and, and let's move forward. Again, it, because it has no, no negligible, it has no impact whatsoever. Um, on the health of the stock, and that was made clear at that fishery meeting, at that science meeting. The whole issue regarding seals, I don't know if the conversation has run its course because I just don't think that much is going to change. You know, until we even start taking the uh, allowable quota throughout the uh, seal hunt year or seal hunt season, then I don't really know where we go from here. I know people have uh, well understood what the seal diet uh, uh, contains. We do know there's been some purposeful lags between the amount of seals taken so we can investigate what's in their stomach. And they wait so long that before you can open it up and see that it is cod and capelin and crab, it's all just brown, liquefied goo. So I don't even know why people are pretending to make a, uh, a difference in the seal uh, conversation. They're pretending to acknowledge that it might be a problem. But when DFO continues to say that it's a predatory issue in the Gulf of St. Lawrence but not here, that contradiction just speaks volumes to me. Couldn't say it better than that, Patty. The other thing about DFO science at Capelin is that other countries like uh, Iceland and Norway, they do uh, 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 acoustic surveys to gather an absolute abundant, uh, abundance estimate. So they have their finger on the pulse of the Capelin stock. DFO does not do that. And that. From my perspective, that's another failing of DFO science. We should have the best fishery science, especially considering what's happened to our, so many of our commercial stocks, but we don't. And the Capelin science is another example of that. The last thing I want to mention, uh, Patty, is uh, is snow crab. And, of course, uh, the Boston Seafood Show is on the go this year. Um, there were some stories in the international press about processors, buyers, uh, pressing the federal minister uh, not to increase the snow crab quota this year uh, because of the, the condition uh, of the markets. And that's even though science says that the crab stock is in, is in great shape outside of Labrador, in all waters around uh, uh, around the province, um, what we're saying about that in terms of uh, uh, the federal government making uh, a, a decision uh, on the quota based on the markets, that would be the wrong decision. Um, any kind of uh, DFO manipulation gets us absolutely uh, nowhere. DFO science must be based on science. It can't be based on the markets. Once you bring in that level, any kind of manipulation, we know from example after example in the past, it does not work out for the benefit of Newfoundland and Labrador or our fisheries. So any decision by the federal minister must be based on science. Anything else other than that that factors into into her decision would be the wrong decision. I, I get that. But isn't there a school of thought that also, to me, makes sense? Because if 30% of what was taken last year remains in cold storage, then that's 30% that maybe could have stayed in the water to keep the snow crab population healthy because it was five years ago or so where it just about collapsed. So if we can't sell it, why take it? Well, Patty, right off the bat, that 30% remaining in storage, I question that. I have not seen any proof of that. I mean, that's pretty much anecdotal information. I know there was information released from the United States last week that showed – the amount of crab imported to the United States in January over 
December was up 74% and up over 600% from January of 2022. So right off the bat, I, I question the numbers that are out there in terms of what's in inventory. Unless the processors and buyers, buyers lay that out all on the table, and how much of that inventory stuff came from Quebec or St. Pierre or wherever else, unless this information is laid clearly out on the table, uh, to me, it's just anecdotal. It's not fact. It's, it's just... Well, it's I, just spoke, I spoke with an executive of one of the notable big uh, harvesting and processing companies, and he says that number's not far off based on what their, their numbers are just in-house. He can't speak to every harvester, every processor or distributor, but he says the numbers aren't far off. So I don't know if it's 30 or 25 or 23 or whatever the case may be, but there remains hundreds of millions of dollars of crab unsold. So how you factor that in, I, I totally understand your point about the science should guide these decisions because it's hard to have a crystal ball in front of you to know what will be sold and at what price and whether or not that fluctuates throughout the season. But I, I get where you're coming from. I appreciate the time, Ryan. I'm going to sneak on a quick one before the break. Happy St. Patty's Day to you, Patty. Same to you, Ryan. Enjoy. Take care. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Uh, quick before we go to the break, line number two. Joyce, you're on the air. Uh, good morning, Patty. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. How about you? Uh, good. Um, I am uh, calling uh, about uh, an issue I had on Wednesday night in the height of the storm. I was at home and realized that I lost my wallet, everything into it, except the kitchen sink. Um, I went back over everywhere that I had been that day, so I finally settled on Irving on Hamilton Avenue, mm -hmm. on the upper end of Hamilton Avenue. So pajamas uh, on, I took off to Hamilton Avenue, Irving. And when I got there, and I spoke to the guy who had served me earlier that evening, and sure enough, they had my wallet there waiting for me. So uh, I would like to uh, send out uh, kudos to these guys. I don't know what their nationality is, but they were extremely polite and respectful to me. And I can't believe that I got my wallet back. Well, I'm glad you did. Sometimes it just works out. There's still a lot of good people out there, so that's good news because what a nuisance. Not only to maybe lose the money, but all the IDs and credit cards and having to replace all that stuff and whatever else you carried around in your wallet. So that's good news. Excellent. I'm, I'm really proud of these guys, and happy St. Patty's Day to everyone. Absolutely. Same to you, Joyce. Thank you. Okay, there. Take have care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, on a lost wallet, when I first went to Jasper, Alberta in 1990, my girlfriend at the time, who's probably listening to the show at this very moment, she was picking at me to give my money to her so she could hold on to it. I had never lost a nickel in my, in my life prior to that. So we arrive in Edmonton, and we are trying to get the bus to Jasper, but the last bus had already gone. So we went in, and we phoned on a payphone to a hotel, the Chateau Lacombe on White Ave, to book a room. Get back in the cab to go up to the hotel. We're a few minutes down the road. Lo and behold, she forgot the wallet. In the bus station, in Edmonton, in the middle of the night. We went back to the bus station, and you know the crevice behind the payphone? You know, so as a little dip down, the wallet was still there. People walk around, everyone everyone missed the wallet. There was thousands of dollars in there. Got the wallet back, because I was telling her the whole way. You're calling your father. I want my money. Let's take a break. Don't go away. VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. 
Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy are just one part of your morning routine. There's breakfast, showers, and that big cup of coffee or tea in a special mug. So show VOCM your morning mug shot. Listen weekday mornings for the cue to text the picture of your mug and warm up with a $200 Kohler contracting gift certificate and a VOCM travel mug. Daily winners are entered into the grand prize, a Daikin 12,000 BTU mini split valued at $5,000. Your VOCM morning mug shot from Kohler Contracting, your heating and cooling specialist, and VOCM. Grab a spoon, class. Friday's Lottomax jackpot of an estimated $34 million could make your dream dish more delish. Like a decadent fondue to serve in my new mansion. Dreamy. Why dream to the min when you can dream to the max? Must be 19 or over. Newfoundland and Labrador, illegal dumping is a crime. If you see something, say something. Tell Crime Stoppers the date, time, and location of the incident and description of the vehicle and license plate. Call 1-800-222-TIPS-8477 or visit nlcrimestoppers.com. Sometimes, all you need is tender, loving care. When that time comes, tender, loving care nursing and home care services are there. They've been in business for over 40 years. Their capacity to care reaches island-wide, and they take time. If you need government assistance or insurance, they'll sit down with you and help you with the paperwork. For families and seniors who require special care, it's tender, loving care, nursing, and home care services. Visit tlcnursingandhomecare.com. Hi, it's Mark here from Cowan's Optical. Come in and see for yourself why Cowan's Optical is your number one choice for all your eye care needs. Start with booking your eye exam today or just bring in your current prescription, no matter where you had your eye exam. Choose from our huge selection of the latest fashion frames. Need a second pair? No problem. We got you covered there, too, with our two-for-one offer. Check out cowansoptical.ca to find a location near you. Cowan's Optical, where our focus is on you. Courageous. Hopeful. Strong. Brave. This is the other face of a victim. If you have been a victim of crime, Victim Services can help support your healing journey so you can define how you feel. You are not alone. We are here to help. Visit our website, victimservicehelp.ca, for more information. A message from the Government of Newfoundland and Labrador and the Government of Canada. Sink your teeth into a delicious treat you won't find anywhere but the Newfoundland Chocolate Company. Explore our selection of decadent snacks you won't be able to put down, like chocolate drizzled peanut brittle, chocolate fish and chips, or even our take on storm chips. Chocolate covered, of course. Try one of our handcrafted signature series boxes, inspired by the culture of our beautiful province. Newfoundland Chocolate Company. Made here, loved everywhere. Torbay Road, Avalon Mall, YYT, or shop online at NewfoundlandChocolateCompany.com. Open Line is brought to you by Janes and Noseworthy, licensed insolvency trustee. It's okay to hit a financial rough patch, and it's okay to get help. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. Let's go to line number three. Say good morning to the NDP member for Lab West. That's Jordan Brown. Morning, Jordan. You're on the air. Thank you for having me on a Friday, Patty. No problem at all. Yeah, so like I said, I, I like I said, it was probably basically a continuation of our last conversation about healthcare in Labrador. And I just want to bring back up, you know, some of the challenges and stuff that's faced by Labradorians when accessing healthcare because I get these calls hourly almost of people, uh, you know, having issues trying to access healthcare or people trying to access MTAP. Or people even just trying to, like, you know, go and see a doctor or a nurse about, you know, a common ailment and still having to wait six, seven hours because this, you know, the staff and stuff is just so overwhelmed in these uh, in these clinics. 
No doubt. I mean, the issues, it's, I always try to be mindful of just how different the circumstances might be, whether it be healthcare or anything else under the sun, uh, in this part of the province versus other parts of the island versus in Labrador. So it's only when people contribute their thoughts, perspective from different parts of the province. Helps me understand what's happening. Yeah. So right now, like um, up our way, we, we at one time, uh, we, ha- we used to have a, a contingent of about, roughly about eight positions. Um, now we're down to somewhere between three and four. Um, and what's happening now is that the backlog that's being created is that they're working more in outpatients emergency than they are actually able to focus on their own uh, family practices. And right now this is creating this backlog where majority of people who would normally go to their family doctor are now forced into the outpatient side and is bogging down the entire actual system. And we have nurse practitioners, uh, you know, fully licensed nurse practitioners who um, who are not operating at their full capacity also as well. So we have this system where everyone's forced to see the doctor and is creating wait times of hours upon hours in Emerge for common ailments. So what do you mean everyone's forced to see the doctor? Help me understand what that sentence means. So right now, um, the family practitioner clinics in Labrador West right now are only open very limited times because the family practitioners are working in the emergency room okay. or the outpatient's room. And so people who normally go and see their family doctor for things are now having to go get forms filled out at Emerge because their family doctor is in Emerge. <laughs> so this is what's happening now. And the clinics right now are so overwhelmed. And I asked about it. I said, "Where, where's, you know, we, we talk about all these collaborative care clinics and all these things like that. So I asked, I said, where's Labrador's one? Where's the, where's the opportunity for us to, you know, correct the, you know, some of this, uh, this backlog and stuff that's forcing people to wait hours and hours and sometimes even like just giving up and going home that where is this? And, you know, the only answer I get is wait for the budget. But I said, where's the plan then? Like, are you telling me there's, there's no, there hasn't been any plan. There's nothing planned out. So this is what we're facing in Lab West is we've, been dealing with this for decades about access to healthcare, and right now, you know, it's just being brushed off as oh, wait, wait for the budget. So, like, where, like, what I'm my thing is saying, where's the plan for rural Newfoundland? Where's the plan for Labrador? You know, these places that have unique challenges because right now I haven't seen nothing. Yeah, you know, the the bit with urgent care clinic in Whitburn, and one proposed for the St. John's region and the collaborative care clinics, which have been established here, we're told they will make their way to different parts of the province, but. They sound good. Conceptually, they make every bit of sense in the world. But if we are simply moving staffers from one clinic to another that has a collaborative tag associated with it, I'm not so sure we're dealing with the backlog and dealing with the numbers of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians without a family doctor. In fact, even after the establishment of these collaborative care clinics, uh, the number of people without a family doctor rose from 125 to 136,000. So they really sound very wise to me. If I don't need to see a doctor, but I could absolutely see a nurse practitioner or what have you, that works. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to be uh, addressing the numbers very uh, succinctly. No, and, and that's the thing. I always go back to the story that my, my wife grew up in coastal Labrador, and she probably seen a doctor once every couple of years because they had, they had the coastal nurse clinics. And that makes sense. Even in more urban places like, say, Lab West and Happy Valley Goose Bay, having access to even nursing would actually increase a lot of accessibility because they have the ability to do a lot of things. And this is where what I'm looking for is a, I want to see a plan for rural medicine, like places like Labrador and rural Newfoundland, because I want to see a plan that actually outlines how we're going to get from point A to point B. And that also includes recruitment because I understand not everybody wants to go live in Labrador. 
completely understand that. But at the same time, if they don't make any effort to change some of that or to encourage some of that, we will never see any of that recruitment. So, like, you know, look at, like, housing and, you know, the, the bonus structures and things like that, because I haven't seen anything specific to the unique challenges of Labrador for recruiting there. I, I heard the, uh, the, the minister talk about, you know, extra money for Bonavista, but that still don't address my problem in Labrador West or the problem over in Happy Valley Goose Bay or coastal Labrador, because we haven't seen any real effort in recruitment for us. I think this uh, new effort that they're making for, whether it be New West Valley, Bay Vert, and yes, Bonavista, with this incentive money, is a $200,000 signing bonus coming in two installments. This will be a fascinating litmus test because if this does not bring a physician, and even that money stackable, if you came home uh, as part of the Come Home Year initiative, all the monies that you got in that incentive package can be stacked with this one. If they don't get doctors with that amount of money being dangled, I think for once and for all, we can acknowledge that it's not just about money there's so much more to this conversation and uh, you know i don't know if it's going to work uh, nobody really knows at this moment in time but so i think the same conversation would extend to your neck of the woods if it didn't work to recruit people to work in those communities on the island what's it going to take to recruit labrador because i think you're fair enough to say that not everyone wants to live in labrador but not everyone wants to live in st john's either i'm not pretending that that's the case but i think we'll know a lot more about Healthcare uh, recruitment when this Bonavista, New West Valley, Bay Vert money comes and goes. Yeah, exactly. And that, so this also goes back to the idea of retention because if you don't have the recruitment part, you also have to look at the retention part because we also see an exodus of workers as well. So it's a balancing act of, okay, it's great to get them to come work, but then you got to keep them. And the same thing as with the current staff we have right now. I know nurses who are driving haul trucks out in IOC right now who are done. I've known people that actually said to me who retired, when the, as soon as their day that they were able to retire, retired. They didn't stick around any much longer than they have to. So this is the thing we also have to see is why are what's happening in the system that's actually causing people to actually say, you know what, throw hands up in the air and say, I'm done with this. And that's another thing we have to look at as well. A hundred percent. There's just so much to this, whether it be actively recruiting as they're training in one of the medical schools or the nursing school or what have you, exit interviews to know why they're leaving different parts of the province, maybe some accommodations that need to be made because we are talking about highly skilled professionals that can work wherever they want in this world. And so if it's a change in how they want to approach the so-called work-life balance, then we're kind of going to have to do what we need to do to ensure that different pockets of the province, that we have a hard time recruiting, that we have a specialized package that acknowledges all facets of life, whether it be something for your spouse or your partners, things for your children, amenities and travel uh, travel issues, and all those things have to be broached because I think we have absolutely fooled ourselves into thinking it's just about money. For some, sure. You know, they've got the big debt coming from med school or whatever the case may be. For some people, money's the be-all and end-all. But for many of those professionals who are very well paid, and money is not necessarily their prime worry, we've got to just factor that in because right now I think we're just leaning on cash. And I'm not so sure that's it. Uh, Jordan, anything else before we say goodbye? Maybe a final yeah. thought on some of the disappointment I hear in your region given the Labrathon canceled and the Labrador games winding down, and here come the Northern games. Well, I'll give you two, two last thoughts. First of all, I just want to give a, I'll, I'll give a quick shout-out to um, uh, Jim Din. He's hosting a... Um, a town hall on healthcare, and he wants to hear a lot from people. So he's hosting it in the, at the Elks Club in St. John's on the 22nd, and it starts around 6:30. So I just want to give a shout out to that. That uh, if anyone wants to actually go and have a conversation with us and, and uh, Jim about healthcare, that's a great time to have to do it. And the second one I want to shout out to is um, I'll, I'll talk with the Labrador Tom and Kane's Quest and all that. Um, 
Patty, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign that, you know, the climate and weather is changing in Labrador and that traditional things that we hold and enjoy dearly is actually starting to uh, to change. You know, we're the big white bar on the Labrador flag is snow and the cold, and that's our identity. And it's actually unfortunate that, you know, the weather is starting to change and we're actually starting to see impacts in our cultural activities. So that's one thing I want to share. Out. And it's disappointing because Labradorathon is it's an expression of Labrador. It's one of the events that actually express who we are as people. So it is disappointing, and I do, uh, you know, the Labrador Winter Games, you know, I hope the rest of it continues on very well. And, you know, it's a very cultural thing. It's a very important thing to us Labradorians. Yeah, and it becomes bigger than Kane's Quest and Labrathon and that kind of stuff. We're even talking about communities that rely on solid sea ice for even transportation and the ability to go get wood. And, I mean, there's just a lot to this conversation once again, Jordan, but I appreciate your time yeah. this morning. Thank you so much, Patty, for having me on a good Friday. And uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you and everyone, all your listeners. The same to you. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Jordan Brown, NDP member for Lab West. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're talking farmland and crownland. Don't go away. VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. I'm Dr. Mike Wall. Join me Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 4 p.m. for the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Each week, we learn about the things that make Newfoundland and Labrador special when it comes to health and wellness. Whether that be our music, our storytelling, our outdoors, our foods, or the talented people we have here at home, let's explore health together. Tune in each week on your VOCM. At McGilvery Law, we represent people who have taken a hard hit. As a former college hockey goalie, I know that it's not so bad getting hit when you're protected. People come to us feeling like they've been blindsided by their insurance company when their injury claim has been denied. Our job is to stand between you and the insurance company. We will help you navigate the claims process so that you are treated fairly. We know defense. McGilvery Injury and Insurance Law, Atlantic Canada's trusted name for injury and disability cases. This week could be your lucky one with the Lions Club VOCM Cares Radio Bingo. It's week 23 and the jackpot is maxed out at $8,046 with a consolation prize estimated at $3,500. Plus, there's an additional $3,000 in guaranteed prizing. Cards are just $4 each and available now. Get yours early and listen live on your radio Saturday, March 18th at 6 p.m. on the VOCM Network and 5.30 on Big Land. For a list of retailers and more info follow vocm cares bingo on facebook or go to vocmcares.com Fix your eyes, change your life with Lens and LASIK by Jackman Eye Institute, the most advanced vision correction and eye care service in our province. Book your free consultation today with Lens and LASIK by Jackman Eye Institute and one of 10 pairs of designer C or Ray-Ban sunglasses could be yours from their friends at Spears Optical. Trust the expert team and state-of-the-art technology of Lens and LASIK by Jackman Eye Institute to fix your eyes and change your life. Find them on Facebook or visit LensLASIK.com. When you need to load it, move it, or ship it in Canada or the U.S., trust a family-owned trucking company hauling since 2007. Akita Equipment and Auto Transport has a strong team of experienced drivers with a fleet of modern trucks equipped with two-way, Bluetooth, 24-7 dispatch, and satellite tracking. Akita specializes in auto transport from less than load to over-dimensional and offers various load handling equipment. Learn more at AkitaEquipment.com. Akita Equipment and Auto Transport, unbeatable trucking and transport services. Hey there. Feeling stuck? Unsure about that next step? Mm. This is the call you've been waiting for. 
With a career in tech, your choices and opportunities are endless. And with funded educational programs available, there's never been a better time to get on board. Make your next move at findyourfuturenl.ca. Powered by TechNL and funded in part by the Government of Canada's Sectoral Workforce Solutions Program. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Let's go to line number five. Let's say good morning to Farmer out in Bloomfield. That's Adam Furlong. Adam, you're on the air. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Excellent. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to continue part of the conversation that we had last week surrounding the whole situation that we've got here in Bloomfield with, with Crown Land. Just let me set the stage for folks who maybe missed your call or didn't uh, yeah, read sure. the news story. So Adam Furlong worked in the oil business for... I think in Hibernia, for some 10 years, and decided that he wanted to chase the dream of being a farmer. Bought 2.2 acres of land in Bloomfield, which is a very small community just on the Bonavista Peninsula. Thought you had it all set up. You had a five-year business plan. Then lo and behold, you find out that a portion of the land, about half of the land, is crown land. And so consequently, your five-year business plan has been severely compromised, and you've had some, I think, absurd offers from the department regarding the use of crown land, what they call their land. And so where are we now? Um, well, just a minor correction there. I never oh. worked on Hibernia. I worked at a, uh, several different uh, engineering companies for... Oh, uh, I see. Pardon me. ...and subsea type work. But Got it. That's kind of irrelevant. But, uh, um, yeah, so really there's no new updates from Crown Land on my end from the time that I spoke to you last week. Um, I have heard since the news story came out and since I've been on open line with you, my phone has been going nonstop with private residences, other farmers, and other businesses in this province who have contacted me saying, you know, me too. The same type of issues that they're facing, rooting from Crown land issues. So while there's a lot of what's going on in my situation that relates specifically to agriculture, and there are big issues that need to be addressed, and I am happy to talk about that, but... I might call back another day on that. Today, I would like to focus on the the Crown Lands issue at its core, which is the the root cause of all of this in the first place. So I'm not going to go into the, the finer details of what changed with the Lands Act of 1977. I'm just going to lay out what has been happening since then and what is happening more and more in, in recent years. So... Just for example, with, with my specific situation, the previous owners of, of the land that I tried to buy in a private sale, they had deeds back in the 1970s with the Registry of Deeds showing that they owned the land. They had affidavits back to 1950 from them owning the land and anyone who owned the land before them and who, who owned it and who bought and sold it back to 1950. They had a, a survey and all kinds of this stuff and the government is, and the Crown Lands Division specifically are just choosing to ignore all of that, and they're just claiming that they own it. So it doesn't sound like something that would even, for, to me anyway, it doesn't even sound like something that would be possible to happen in a modern democracy like Canada. Like Our, our government are essentially going out of their way to strip private land ownerships or private landowners of their legal land ownership. I mean, essentially what happened here is we have an 80-year-old elderly couple in this province who 
lived on this land for 46 years. They ran a successful business in the area, provided employment, paid taxes, and now in their 80s, when they're retired and trying to sell their family land, their reward for all of that work that they did, providing employment and paying taxes and everything, their reward is for the government to step in and say, no, you don't own that land, we're taking it, and you do not own it. I mean, it sounds absolutely absurd. It sure does. You know, I can't get this, uh, I can't wrap my mind around some of these issues. In one breath, the government talks about the need to increase food production, whether it be double or otherwise. We talk about the 64,000 hectares of land they put forward for agricultural purposes. And then all of a sudden we have issues regarding like 1.1 acres of crown land that we can't figure out so that someone with an actual business model to grow food in close proximity to folks who need more access. And now we've got this haggling. And then you mentioned that circumstance with people with affidavits back to the 50s, and now we're all of a sudden finding out that there's a problem as they've been paying taxes and having their operation ongoing, and now this is all happening. Again, I'll put it this way. If we are going to be as diligent or as strict or as silly as we are about crown land for businesses like yours, then, buddy, we better be paying as much attention, if not more strict attention, to how we're talking about windmills. Yeah, so, I mean, they just seem to be, like, over the last 40 years, this this issue has existed, but it's just largely gone ignored. So there's a thing called quieting of titles. If you have a claim to a piece of land that is in dispute, you can put out uh, a quieting of titles claim, and that goes to, like, all the courtrooms across the province. It goes into uh, publications like the Gazette and all that kind of thing. And it basically says, we are claiming that we own this land. Here is a date if... Anyone has a dispute on our ownership of this land, you have to contact us by this date with your claim to the land. So nobody, no private, no other private residence uh, disputes the claim of their land because it's been, you know, it's been widely accepted in the community as being their private property for decades. So the Crown steps in with these quieting of titles claims and says, no, it's not yours, it's ours. But for decades... They have looked at these applications that come across their desk and say, okay, there's two acres of land here in the middle of a community. They live on it. There's a house on it. We're going to ignore that and just let it slide. And then by way of carrying out the quieting of titles process, then these people will legally own their land and there's no problem. But in the last several years, somebody in government has made it their prerogative to fight these every single time they come across their desk. So somebody like... This is not just a, a, a bad situation that is now getting worse. Somebody in our government is making a conscious decision, looking at these applications, and they are deciding to fight it and, and take people's land away from them that they've lived on for decades. And for some, in some cases, multi-generationally, and they've lived there for centuries. And I mean, if you go on the land use atlas map. I don't know how many people are aware that that exists. I wasn't aware that it existed until I started dealing with this problem. But if you just go on Google and search Newfoundland land atlas, you'll find an interactive map of Newfoundland. It it looks like Google Maps, but it has parcels of land carved out based on what the crown believes is the the, uh, status of that land. So if you look at it, there's certain parcels that say that they are leased land or certain parcels that say that they're granted land or certain parcels that say that they're licensed land, which from conversations that I've had with lawyers, 
granted land and licensed land basically means the same thing. So I'm I'm trying to bring this more to the attention of the public because I know for certain that there are thousands of people in this province who hear about this and say, no, that doesn't affect me. I've got deeds and I've got records from my family, my father, my grandfather, and he bought it from this person. And I've got all that record here so I can prove that I own my land. But I'm I'm here to tell everyone to go on that map and look at it. And if your property is not outlined and marked as granted or licensed, according to Crown Lands, you do not own it. And you have the same problem that I do. So my I'm just trying to bring it more to the attention of the public because if you go on that map and you go to places like Carboneer, Marystown, and Bonavista, you'll you'll see that like the vast majority of the town, and these are not like rural small communities, these are major urban centers in this province, you'll see that the vast majority of those towns are considered to be crown land. Mm-hmm. And even here in the capital city of St. John's, Go look at go on that map and go look at downtown St. John's. The entirety of the harbor front and Water Street and everything is crown land by their definition. But I mean, nobody from the government is going to march up Water Street and start saying, "Everybody who owns property here, you're all evicted. It's our land. Get off of it." But they got no problem doing it in rural communities where they can just do it quietly and steal land from an 80 year old couple. And if you go on to that map and go to, I don't want to say the name of the community right now. But if you go to my hometown on that map, the entire community is considered to be Crown Lands, except for the Government Wharf, which is registered to the Department of Government Affairs, and the church, which is registered to the Roman Catholic Episcopal Corporation. So my family's land where I grew up, my parents' house, my grandparents' house where my father was raised, my great-grandparents' house, all of my friends and family, every single person in the community where I was raised has this issue. The entire community is considered crown land. And, I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. This is a community that was built by people who settled there 250 years ago. There was nothing there. It was all trees surrounding a cove. People cleared the land, built houses, made a community out of it, and now our government, by their own definition, says that all of that is not yours. It's ours. Madness. And, I mean, we're the only province that treats this issue the way we do with the separate registry of deeds versus the Crown Lands Division and the problems that that creates. Oh, my God. It's a nightmare for the realtors. It's a nightmare for uh, the lawyers trying to represent individuals. It's time to have Greg French back on the show, I guess, who's a lawyer out in Clarenville who really knows a ton about this, the history of the the changes that were made in, uh, I guess, beginning of 77, the end of 76 regarding squatters' rights and what that has meant logistically and realistically for businesses like yours and or for individuals because it's complete madness. It just really, truly is. And if well, I think Adam makes... I was on the phone with Greg French yesterday for an hour and a half, and he told me to let you know that if you want to get him back on the show, he's available anytime. Um, but it just seems like... Like I said, it went, this this problem has existed since the 70s, and it just went largely ignored. But it seems like lately the government, specifically the Crown Lands Division, are like 
just following the letter of the of the Lands Act and all the policies that are involved in it. I mean, I was speaking to uh, I'm not going to use any names, but I was speaking to a senior lands officer at Crown Lands, and I was explaining my situation and what I'm dealing with, and his response to me was, "Well, nobody is losing out on anything because of all of this." And I said, what do you mean? I just explained to you how I'm losing out, how the previous owners of the land are losing out. What do you mean nobody's losing out? And he, his stance on it was, well, based on the Lands Act, they never owned it in, in the first place. So they can't lose something that they don't own. So, I mean, they're just, you know, they, they live and die on the black and white pages of their policy documents. They are completely disconnected from the reality of the situation and how it is affecting the people of this province. Fair ball, and I'm glad that Greg said you'd be willing to come back on. We'll probably line him up for one day early next week because the whole issue is just too bizarre for it to continue this way. Adam, final thoughts to you before I go. Um, yeah, I, th I think the only real way that anything is going to change here is with a significant amount of public pressure, which is my main reason for calling today. I'm just calling on the public. This is not going to cost you any money. Go on Google and search Newfoundland Atlas map, find where you live and look at it. If you are not included in a boundary that says that it's an issued license or issued granted piece of land, then you have this problem no matter what records you have. If you have affidavits, deeds, surveys, none of that matters because it did not matter for the previous owners of my property. Good to have you on, Adam. I appreciate your time. Okay, thanks, Patty. Take care. Bye-bye. What a mess. <laughs> the Crown Lands issue, you know, it all started with one story of the diamonds in Catalina. Now, I know it's been happening many, many times prior to that, but since then, I guarantee you I've got 100 Crown Lands stories in my inbox. 100 for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're talking urgent care. Don't go away. VOCM's open line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Listen to over 500 radio stations from anywhere in Canada with Radio Player Canada, the must-have app that's as Canadian as you are. Friendly, ready-to-party, great company. Enjoy every type of radio station anywhere, anytime. Listen through your phone, Sonos, Google Chromecast, Google Home, Amazon Echo, Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto. Download the Radio Player Canada app today. It's where Canadian radio plays. It's time for your Money Minute with BDO Licensed Insolvency Trustee Nancy Sneddon. Nancy, is it possible to take a DIY approach to getting out of debt? As long as your debt load isn't too high and you take a coordinated approach, then yes, it is possible to get out of debt on your own. The first step is to understand what you're dealing with. Add up all your debts and figure out which ones are causing the most stress. The second step is to look at your monthly budget. Adjust your living expenses to find extra cash to accelerate your debt repayment. Finally, give yourself a timeline to pay off debt. Try and focus on high interest debts first. If you need help putting together a plan to get out of debt, Talk to a BDO licensed insolvency trustee like myself. We can help you explore debt relief strategies and help put a plan together that's right for you. Take care of your financial health. For more helpful advice on managing debt, visit bdodebt.ca or call 1-833-BDO-TALK to book a free consultation. Grab a spoon, class. 
Friday's Lottomax jackpot of an estimated $34 million could make your dream dish more delish. Like a decadent fondue to serve in my new mansion. Dreamy. Why dream to the min when you can dream to the max? Must be 19 or over. Did you know at Vogue Optical, when you get more, you save more. When you purchase one pair of eyewear, you save $100. Purchase two pairs and get your second pair free. And it doesn't stop there. When you purchase three pairs of eyewear, get your second pair free, plus get 50% off your third pair. Never be caught without a spare pair again. We can also arrange your eye exams. Check out our website, Facebook page, or in-store for details. Whenever you've needed us, federal public service workers have been here for Canada. We delivered the services you rely on through this crisis and the next. But for nearly two years, we've been on the front lines without a contract. That's a big problem because while the government stalls on making things right, we all pay the price. Workers can't wait. None of us can. Learn more at workerscantwait.ca. A message from the Public Service Alliance of Canada. Choose to heat your home with Irving Propane or heating oil and save $150. Find out how we can help you enjoy all the comforts of home. Call 1-888-310-1924 or visit irvingoil.com. Conditions apply. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Uh, let's go. Line number four. Say good morning to the mayor of Riverhead, St. Mary's Bay. That's Sheila Lee. Mayor Lee, you're on the air. Good morning, Patty. Good morning. Happy St. Patty's Day to you. Same to you. Uh, Patty, I, I, I just want to talk for a few minutes on, on health care. Uh, I'm following all this very closely. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, I did sit in on a number of the sessions with the health court. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind today is, is virtual care. I heard, I think it was Todd, Dr. Todd Gongan talking about how restrictive they are with virtual care. They're only allowed to have so many calls or whatever. 40 per day. 40 per day. Now, <clears throat> 40 per day sounds like, oh my God, that's not a lot. Of, you know, how could a doctor cover that 40 per day? Uh, I've had the pleasure of have been on a number of virtual virtual care calls. Like when I need something now that I think is of you know importance, unless the doctor needs to actually see me, examine me, or whatever, I don't need to go there. I can have a good conversation on the phone, and I have had a lot of satisfaction with it. So we are talking now about this. All these people don't have doctors, and how hard it is for them, and everything. I think that that should be looked at again. I think that, yeah, it would be great when people get their doctors and you don't have to wait long, long periods of time to get in to see them. But I see virtual care as a very good uh, progressive step from, my, from the experience I've had. Well, of course. And, you know, people will point out that it's not perfect for everybody. Yes, everybody understands that. But for some illnesses or ailments or uh, follow-up, it's absolutely ideal. So, it, of course, you know, you're going to need to see a doctor for certain things. But if we can satisfy and reduce wait times and backlog and you get to do it from the convenience of your own living room versus get in the vehicle and trek your way to wherever the closest clinic is, it's going to be important. So while the government is telling us that virtual care is going to be more and more the reality for, uh, for people and at the same time keep a cap in place, it sounds pretty counterintuitive to me. Yes. Now, the next one is urgent care. 
strangely enough, but I've been saying over and over again, you know, there got there should be another center somewhere where everybody is not is not barreling into the uh, to the to the hospital. Sure. Now they mentioned, and I was really excited. In fact, I had been talking to people a week before and saying the very same thing to them as a suggestion, and here we have it. Um, I just want to know now: Will that urgent care center be open twenty four? 24-7 when he gets enough staff because people don't pick the time when they need to go to emergency and I really think that you know they really have to gear it up towards uh, towards like around the clock there's people who will not be able to have a day's pay if they're sick and they have I mean they probably make us go to work but uh, they can't make an appointment during the daytime because they're going to lose a full day's pay. If they could have after hours to be able to go for whatever their special needs are, whatever, that would make a big difference in a lot of people's lives as well. So I'm hoping, I'm excited about hearing urgent care. I hope it'll be studied carefully. I hope it'll be something that they may even open up a, a second centre down the road. But I think it will solve a lot of the, of the backlog now and the overcrowding of the emergency. The next thing I wanted to talk about was, is the rapid response. You, you, uh, we just heard now, I think it was probably last week, uh, that there is, there are going to have rapid response uh, person uh, for the for the, the area like to, to, to pass the southern shore area. I think that I know anything is new. People are very reluctant for anything that they're trying to do differently or introduce new. But I would suggest that we should give this idea a real good chance to see how it will, will work. And I'm hoping that the, it's nice that they're going to have that one on that side. Uh, but I'm hoping that this rap, rapid response uh, person will be stationed somewhere close, say, to Trapassi and St. Chats. Um, like I know here in St. Mary's, we have been blessed, really. Uh, you know, if I have to go to hospital in the morning, if I have to make a call three o'clock in the morning, uh, the chances are that I'll have to wait very, very few, a few minutes when an ambulance will be at my door, which I think is a blessing. But in places like St. Chats and Trapassi, with the serious issues now that's going on there and no ambulance around there, I think that this urgent care person, if it works properly and is stationed in the right location, I think that they will be able to bridge the gap and they will be able to be there and and be able to hopefully stabilise the patient and hopefully they'll be able to do more things than a normal ambulance would do. For example, if someone is having a stroke, I'm hoping they will get will have permission to give them that needle because that's very important. If someone is having a heart attack, something the same thing. So I think people should should really give this a chance and I think that is going to be a good idea for throughout the province. Um, the third thing is, I know you haven't got a lot of time to listen to me. The third thing that I am, uh, I'm very concerned about is the personal personal care homes and the higher level homes. Like these stories that we're hearing, and you know, that has become very public in recent days about people to no fault of the poor man who did it or woman who did it, but they're violent and they have caused really, really serious uh, uh, injuries mm-hmm. for for other patients. It seems to me that there's a no-brainer here. I mean, I think that the person on a a ward that has has the tendency to be violent to no fault of their own, they they really need to be removed. They need to be put somewhere where they are 
treated well, cared for, but not necessarily to be able to be at large, to be able to create such injuries to those people. Like, I've heard these stories, and it's frightening, many many times, actually, over the past five years. It's only now that it's actually become public, but it may not be as severe as what we were hearing about the past week or so. But there is injuries, and I could go on and on to, to specify somebody I knew was there and the different things that happened to them. And the personal care homes, um, it really bothers me, really worries me, it really torments me. Do you know that the wages that those personal care people are getting is not even equal to the home care worker? And those homes are really having serious problems with staffing. And my God, you know, those homes, if they're staffed properly and adequately, these can be very beautiful places for people when they have to leave their own home. So I really hope, I know they have a, they have a person now that's um, going to be doing an investigation into the home. So I hope they're going to be looking, uh, I'm sure they're going to be looking at this business of safety. But I hope so they'll also look at the wages that these people are being paid and the struggles that the owners are having to keep afloat. Because I know, I know of a couple of homes right now, I know the person who owns them, and honestly, it's very, very serious. If these people have to close down their homes or they have to put this extra strain on their workers because they're short-staffed, like it's happening with our nurses. I mean, in, with the people they would be able to keep, they're going to lose even more. Because, you, you know, you only can do so much for so long. And the last thing I'm going to say... Very quickly, me, because I do have to go, Sheila. Okay, yeah. I did I said $200,000 that was uh, mentioned for Bonavista. Yeah. Wonderful. But please, God, why aren't we hearing about the, the extra monies that government can offer those those nurses and those uh, therapists, those radiology therapists, to try to, to get them back and to keep them with us? So virtually, that's my, that's my spiel for today. And I appreciate you making time. We're a little over uh, our a lot of time for the news, but thanks for this, Sheila. We'll see you soon. Okay, thank you, Patty. You're welcome, Mary Lee. Bye-bye. It's Mary Sheila Lee on Riverhead. Time for the news. Don't go away. You're listening to the VOCM Bigland FM Radio Network. Stingray Radio Stations. Local News Now. A VOCM News Update. This news presented by Mako Hearing Service, 84 Thorburn Road. Phone 726-HEAR. That's 726-4327. Four minutes after 11, most of that freezing drizzle has moved off. Cloudy skies and zero. Good morning. I'm Brian Medor. RCMP are renewing their calls for information on the disappearance of a man on the Port-au-Port Peninsula last fall. 30-year-old Tyler Hennessy last seen on September 29th in the community of Ship Cove. His car, 2005 gold-colored Chevrolet Cavalier, was found on October 1st in the area of Marches Point. Search efforts since then have turned up no sign of Hennessy last November. Police indicated that they believe there are people in the community who have information that could assist the investigation. However, they may be hesitant to come forward for one reason or another. Anyone with information asked to contact RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Condolences pouring in for two police officers killed in the line of duty just after midnight Wednesday. The officers have been identified as 35-year-old Constable Travis Jordan and 30-year-old Constable Brett Ryan. They were responding to a family dispute at an apartment building in northwest Edmonton. Canadian Press reporting that a 16-year-old boy wounded his mother and then died of self-inflicted wounds.
People who suffer from chronic pain hoping for a dedicated clinic have suffered a major setback. Provincial government called for proposals for a pain management clinic last year, but has since cancelled that plan. Medicuro, a virtual service based in central Newfoundland, submitted a proposal as did Deloitte. Dr. Todd Young of Medicuro contacted the minister's office and was told only the development of such a clinic was cancelled due to budgetary reasons. Treatment of such pain often requires a multidisciplinary approach, such as that which would have been offered at the pain management clinic. However, Young says it's now back to square young. So we have still 20% of people that have chronic pain. We have, you know, a fragmented, unreliable system, and we have 27% of patients who do not have access to a primary care provider, let alone a primary care provider who is willing to treat their chronic pain. And a Shea Heights family drawing some attention to a snow sculpture celebrating St. Patrick's Day. James Keating has created a St. Patrick's Day leprechaun out of snow, complete with shamrock. You might be familiar with Keating's work when he used to live in Cowan Heights, told VOCM Open Line with Patty Daly. He and his son Ashton decided to create that sculpture to take people's minds off the long, hard winter. Ashton is 18 now, and he's been doing them with me... Well, since he could walk, and I've been doing them since I'm about 12 years old. We've done, uh, we, we usually do them down on Canada Drive where I used to live, but now we're in Shea Heights, so this is going to be our new locale. It is seven minutes after 11 o'clock. Up next, your weather forecast. Mako Hearing Service is excited to offer the ReSound Omnia line of hearing aids. This technology has a very natural sound and feel with much better understanding while watching television or during conversations. It's available in a rechargeable model and its connection with cell phones means no more speaker phones in public or asking your spouse to take a call for you. Call today for your trial. Phone 726-HEAR. That's 726-4327. Mako Hearing Service. We care about the way you hear. This VOCM weather is brought to you by Vogue Optical, where your second pair is always free. Let Vogue Optical arrange your next eye exam today. Trust us, your eyes will thank you. St. John's Metro and the rest of the Avalon. Cloudy this afternoon and tonight. Northwesterlies 40, temperature plus 2, daytime minus 2 overnight. Saturday, nice day, cloudy, light winds, high plus 2. Sunday, periods of snow or rain. Central Newfoundland, about 5 centimeters of snow today and tonight. Winds around 50 throughout. Uh, for Saturday, just uh, winds easing back to light, temperature plus 1. South Coast winds 40 today, plus 4. Sunny tomorrow and plus 4. West Coast Northern Peninsula, plus 4, plus 5. Next two days with uh, some cloud in there, light winds. Goose Bay looking at light winds next couple of days. Daytime temperatures, plus 3 today, minus 3 tomorrow. Lab West, minus 1 today with light winds, minus 16 overnight, minus 8 tomorrow with light winds. And the North Coast, minus 6 next couple of days. Minus 11 overnight right now in Metro, cloudy skies and zero. Back with an update at 11.30. For VOCM News, I'm Brian Medore. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Let's go. Line number one, Jim, you're on the air. Oh, good morning. I was uh, watching the news last night, and I was just wondering, does the provincial government pay for the education of the immigrants coming to Newfoundland? Or of course, yeah, they do. So, why did we see them at the most expensive school in St. John's? Like, well, I'm not sure exactly what you're getting at here. So, what schools are you seeing them at? I saw 
out of at St. Bob's. St. Bonds is, of course, uh, they pay for their own uh, operations at St. Bonds. That's a private school. The province doesn't pay for that. They actually have a pot of money for accepting, uh, whether it be local residents who don't have the financial capacity to enroll in St. Bonds. They have programs for immigrants and refugees at St. Bonds. That would not be government money. That's the uh, organization itself. Okay. I was just, that was my main question, but I also wanted to talk about the street, the road here in Brigus, uh, Conception Bay, Brigus, uh, the tunnel. You're familiar with the tunnel? I am. You mean the hole in the rock looking yeah. out of the ocean? Yeah. Yeah. So that road going to the beach, if you're going from the south to north, uh, it's a two-way street. And it goes to the beach, which you know that talking to you know the beach but that's the end you got to turn around at the beach because the rest of the road from the beach up around to the by the church is a one way right and the road that they leave open for two way is 11 feet wide at places and i've seen cars six and eight cars from my window trying to get through because the cars coming back from the beach and the cars going to the beach can't pass each other. Yeah, it's extremely tight. And then you get folks who maybe just don't know any better or they're maybe you're oblivious. They stop right there on the road, get out of the car, <laughs> go walk through the tunnel for a look and stuff. So it That's is right. a really tight spot, no doubt. And uh, I've been after council to uh, make it all one way uh, from north to south, if that's the way we go, or north to southwest, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they... Uh, don't seem to think it's necessary, but they're not sitting in my living room looking at the cars over there in the summertime. And I know it doesn't affect the people of Breeze, and they're not affected by it. But every tourist that we come here that doesn't know the area and goes out toward the tunnel from the south, then they get to the beach and they got to turn around and come back. That's when the trouble starts. Sure. I'm trying to picture the entirety of that stretch in my mind's eye. There are some spots I don't even know if there's room to widen it at all, is there, Jim? No, it's all cliffed. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's tight because of the logistics of where the rocks are and the road is. So, But I totally yeah. get your point. I've been out there many, many times, obviously. And Brigus is a really busy spot, especially in the summertime. Crazy. I mean, the, they use uh, your last owner, Steel. They have a place over there, and his yeah. driveway, sometimes he can't even get out of his driveway because his car is piled up trying to get through. Yes, that's right. I know a lot of people with a place out in Briggs. is like Little St. John's out there in the summertime. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> for better or worse. For better or for worse. <laughs> oh, they're all good people that visit or that have homes here. They're interested in the community. I know the Briggs people... Uh, I'm tired of the townies. They call all these townies coming here. But it's life. I mean, if they can't buy the houses here, afford them, somebody's going to pay for them. And it happens to be people in the St. John's or wherever area that have the extra money to buy a nice country place. Absolutely. There's a lady that I'm actually going to see at 1 o'clock today who cuts my hair. She's got a spot out there. Loves it out there. It's too bad I didn't know she was out. I would have got my hair cut to me. <laughs> She's excellent, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, Jim, good to have you on the show this morning. Appreciate this. Yes, good.
God bless and have a great day. You too, sir. All the best. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, let's keep rolling here. Line number two. Marie, you're on the air. Hi, Patty. You're going to be my lifeline this morning. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I'm telling you why I'm calling, Patty. Uh, I've called a couple of times on your show about my sister uh, with uh, seven uh, discs leaning against the nerve in her back. She's going into her 10th month now, waiting on her surgery. And they're just saying there's no beds, but and they're saying that she's on the top of the list. But there's got to be beds, Patty, because they're doing the day surgeries. And the day surgeries are being done, and they're making more money on the day surgeries because they're not tying up the beds. So I'm, I, I, I'm half on the was name thinking that there's a discrimination here. But wait now, uh, you know, who's uh, making the, money? The beds, the beds uh, she needs that surgery, and she's on the top of the list. That list is not moving, Patty. You know, what's the point of being on the top of the list when they're not doing nothing with that list? And I'm, I'm emotional about this whole thing because I've gone through every process I could possibly go through to try to get my sister some help. And, you know, I've had people that are in positions of authority tell me, well, that's it, I'm done with it. And that's not the, that's not the answer I want to hear. I want someone that's in these positions of authority to do, so, even Eastern Health, I'm after calling their line, I'm after putting it on their emergency, they help my sister. And it's like it's going on deaf ears. And it's not good enough, Patty. It's not, you got these people that are in these positions that can do something to help somebody that's in a tremendous amount of pain and they're just sitting back doing nothing. And I'm disgusted with it, Patty. I'm totally disgusted with it. Uh, I, that's not the answer I want to hear. Uh, Ten months is too long. Uh, my sister, every day her situation is getting worse. She can't speak. She can't write. She can't walk. And... You know, she's in a tremendous amount of pain, and she's having other side effects from the medication they're putting around for the pain. And then she got to come off them and try to tolerate the pain. This is brutal, Patty. This is brutal treatment on, on behalf of our government, of our, our, our people that are seniors in our province. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's almost like a discrimination thing going on in, in, in the healthcare system that we'll bring in the people that only got a day surgery and do them, and we'll forget about the other people that need surgeries that are uh, three days long. And I, I really want somebody out there to hear me this morning and investigate what's going on with this doctor's list, this surgeon's list that's in the health science that my sister's surgery hasn't come up yet. Why do you think that they're purposefully putting her off? Uh, because they're making more money, Patty. Well, who's making I mean, money? You, I, I, mean, I didn't you understand take that. It, Patty. You what? take it, Patty. If you've got to do a day surgery and you only got a bed tied up for one day, you're put, bringing in more people, getting more surgeries done, and uh, you're, you're making more. The surgeon is making more money. But if you've got the bed, if you've got a shortage of beds, and you're, the bed is going to be tied up for three days, they're not so uh, adamant on, on getting these people in. And this is what's going on, because there's no other reason for anybody to explain to me why my sister has suffered, and I mean suffered, nine months on a top of the list 
and, and nine months on the top of the list and never not getting a call about a surgery. Well, I, I don't know, but I do know that some surgeries require being admitted to hospital versus others. Like we've made the move now to day surgery for hip and knee, and it seems to be working out, I suppose. But for people who need different procedures, that just simply does require being admitted for X number of days. So if it's a bed issue, if it's operating theater time, if it's the number of surgeons, I don't know. I'd like to think that there's no one being held off on purpose so they can suffer because uh, I don't know who benefits from any of those types of thoughts or processes. But I hope she gets her her uh, surgery as soon as possible. I know someone who had a back surgery about two weeks ago, and they were waiting around the same amount of time, and they feel a deep sense of relief, and the pain has gone away. But I know they are doing surgeries because a buddy of mine just had one. Well, I don't know what's going on, Patty, because I can't say the same for my sister. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the surgeon, uh, it was before Christmas she was supposed to go in and have her surgery, and he called and told me, told her that she was going on vacation. And then just before I called you again on it, he called again and said he's going on, on, on holidays again. So uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's not good enough. I mean, they're taking their holidays, I, and I don't, and I got no, I got no dispute with that. But don't leave people, don't leave people in agony and suffering. If they, if if uh, you can accommodate them to get them in to get their surgery, and I, like I need this investigated. I need a, a full-blown investigation on what's going on in that health science center uh, with this surgeon that my sister hasn't had her surgery yet. I am so, so distressed, so emotionally tied up in this. I had a person in government tell me, look, I called Eastern Health. I'm not calling them anymore. I don't want to hear that from a member in parliament telling me that. I want someone to get off their ass and do something to help my sister. My sister is suffering, and she's getting down, and she's getting emotionally drained. And I need someone to listen and do something to help my sister. I appreciate the time, Marie. Hopefully this happens for you soon. Uh, and, and uh, you know, like I said, Patty, you are my lifeline. You are my lifeline. for Because, uh, you know, uh, you listen, and uh, you understand what's going on here. And, uh, you know, and that lady that called in about the personal care homes uh, previously, Sheila, uh, I, I, I only hope we have people like her that are so caring about individuals and their care and what's going on with this abuse in the personal care, care, care homes that a social worker don't take the initiative to get involved when something is seriously wrong. And like she said, that person has to be removed and put in proper care because they're, they're jeopardizing people on that unit, and that shouldn't be. No, absolutely not. This ongoing review of long-term care and personal care is overdue and hopefully brings forward the positive, meaningful changes. Maria, I have to get to the break, but say hello to your sister for me, and I wish you both well. Yeah, God bless you. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Uh, let's take a break. Don't go away. VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Hey, we're 
Queer Kitchen Party. I'm Louise Morrissey. Hello, I'm Matthew Byrne. I'm Mark Hiscock. And I'm Chris Andrews. Hi, this is Johnny McAvoy here. Steve, we're in Newfoundland. Hi, Kevin Evans. We are Rum Ragged. You can catch us Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the VOCM Irish Newfoundland Show with Greg Smith. The Irish Newfoundland Show with Greg Smith on VOCM is brought to you by Harvey and Company Limited. Service, value, and quality equipment you can trust. Hi, it's Mark here from Cowan's Optical. Come in and see for yourself why Cowan's Optical is your number one choice for all your eye care needs. Start with booking your eye exam today or just bring in your current prescription, no matter where you had your eye exam. Choose from our huge selection of the latest fashion frames. Need a second pair? No problem. We got you covered there too with our two-for-one offer. Check out cowansoptical.ca to find a location near you. Cowan's Optical, where our focus is on you. Home improvements can get expensive, but a visit to Habitat for Humanity Restore can help save some money. They're a thrift store that focuses solely on home improvement items like appliances, building supplies, doors and windows, and more. Many local businesses donate items, so they often have brand new product and high-quality used items priced well below retail. Plus, the inventory changes daily, so you're sure to find something for every budget. The Habitat for Humanity Restore is open to the public, so visit them today at 323 Kenmount Road. You'll find lots of ways to give your home a fresh new look for springtime, like new window treatments. Hi, this is Robin from Blinds and Drapes, etc. Right now, save up to 55% off cordless and even automatic blinds. You can easily control your shades via remote, phone, tablet, or home automation. Automatic blinds are stylish, high-tech, and low-stress. Our winter into spring sale is on now. Visit our showroom at 35 Stavanger Drive or drapesetc.ca. Blinds and Drapes, etc. Your style, our passion. A settlement has been reached in the class action lawsuit for residents of the boys' homes and girls' homes in Whitburn and Pleasantville who are sexually assaulted, placed in detention while naked, or beaten while naked. A settlement fund of $12.5 million is available for compensation and to cover the legal costs. If you were there between 1973 and 1989, please call More Smart and More Lawyers at 747-0077. Visit our website at nfldsexualabuseclassaction.ca or email inquiry at nfldsexualabuseclassaction.ca. When looking for new parts for your vehicle, you want someone you can trust who will give you honest advice and have a great selection of quality parts for all makes and models. That's why you need Automotive Supplies Limited. They're your number one choice for parts. A supplier of AC Delco and conveniently located. 1222 Topsail Road, 99 CBS Highway in Manuals, and now 33 Stefanger Drive. Locally owned and happy to serve you. That's Automotive Supplies Limited. Open Line is brought to you by Janes and Noseworthy, licensed insolvency trustee. It's okay to hit a financial rough patch, and it's okay to get help. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Let's go to line number one. Say good morning to the Liberal member for Gander. He's the Minister of Education. That's John Haggie. Good morning, Minister Haggie. You're on the air. Good morning, Paddy. A happy Paddy's Day to you. Hope you're well. I'm doing well, and thanks for that. And happy St. Patrick's to you as well, Minister. Um, it's been um, uh, a bit of discussion in the last week or so around early childhood education and early childcare uh, and learning. Uh, we were in uh, Clarenville with an announcement, or at least a celebration, really, of an announcement. And I think there's been a lot of, um, not misinformation, but misunderstanding about uh, some of the, uh, the challenges that we face. 
um, we have had to go from a situation where we had inadequate numbers of both spaces and childcare educators, and we had to work on both of these uh, areas simultaneously. Uh, we've done a lot of groundwork, and with our partnership with the federal government, uh, the affordability piece uh, is kind of uh, put to bed for the time being. Uh, as far as the accessibility piece, it breaks down into uh, to two things, really, it, which is the availability of uh, regulated childcare spaces, and in turn, that's related to the availability of early childcare educators. We put a lot of effort into this over the last year because uh, there, there is a lag. Um, we have a year to train a level one and two years to train a level two ECE and in our workforce, 70% of our ECEs are uh, level two. The biggest um, uh, uh, piece around recruitment of ECEs is in actual fact, uh, recognizing that they are professional people, that they have a training, they have skills that are honed, they are monitored and precepted during training, and their previous pay system really did not recognize that. We've um, sought their advice and they've provided us with uh, um, uh, information about a wage grid and we'll be announcing uh, something uh, detailed about that in the very near future. It will be implemented from the 1st of April. It will provide level twos with a base rate of $25 an hour and it will use that as a level uh, for um, uh, level three uh, and four as well as level one and trainees and I think by doing that we've been told by the um, association that licenses and represents them that this will be the single biggest step in recruiting new people but also there's a pool of around six possibly 800 licensed early childhood educators who left the profession because of inadequate compensation and are now working maybe in retail jobs who could be repatriated. And I mean, for every new ECE trained individual, it allows another eight spaces on average to be developed. So there's a lot going on and I think it's important that people appreciate that. So that, that's a start as it were of some of the things that we've done uh, and I noticed you were wanting to ask a question so maybe that might be the best way to, to go now. Sure, that's how I'm built. Um, <laughs> I think the way that it was received in the general public is I think the affordability issue has been addressed with $10 a day but the celebration is how I think you characterize it to me and to many, I think, feels uh, premature. Because if we have wait lists, you know, people are talking about when they're getting pregnant to start putting their children on a wait list, and some waiting two years and more, you know, space, the lack of spaces for toddlers. I know the province say there's been some 700 spaces created this year, or there will be throughout the course of this year, and over the course of five years, 6,000 spaces. But until we breach and broach both with affordability and accessibility, celebrations seem to be the cork being lifted a little bit too prematurely for many. Your thoughts? I think it was a recognition that this province was amongst the first. We actually did this on the 1st of January, uh, and we were, if not the first jurisdiction to get to $10, we were probably only the second. 
We have said 700 more spaces this year. By the end of fiscal 23, we'll be up to 942 new spaces. Our goal, as you say, is 5,800. That um, is where we need to be, and ultimately pre-K will take uh, a, a goodly chunk of that. I think it's important for people to recognize that progress has been made and that we're not just settling for that. This is a dynamic program. CNA, for example, for whom I do have figures, will actually graduate 370 early childhood educators this year. And that is a five-fold increase in three years. So I think, yes, for those people who are waiting, it is a challenge. Uh, and for those people who have it, uh, they are content by and large with what they've got and pleased that it's putting about $8,000 back into their pocket with the reduced cost of childcare. There, and there's issues in childcare or daycare or early childhood education which precede or predate $10 a day. You know, even if we're talking about the turnaround time for wage supplement monies that have been applied for or paperwork submitted and the checks flowing out the door, the, what that means for ongoing operations. So there's a lot of things that are still works in motion regarding childcare. And I know I'm right up against the news here, and I'm hoping that the issue regarding daycare can be settled. I don't have children that need daycare, but I've read so much about it that the economic upside here is so very real societally and economically. Very quickly, the PwC incident, you know, it's basically been left under rumors. I know police investigations have to take uh, the front burner here. We'll find out when we find out through official chains. But this is not a one-off. It's happened a couple of times at PwC, but not to say that I'm picking on PwC because it's happened at schools around the province. Pink shirt day is fine. But we find ourselves in a very different circumstance here. There's a long way between the beating that that poor young fella took and being uh, made fun of because you have a freckled face. So what more does the province need to do here? Because people are worried. People are not even going back to school at that particular school. And I've heard from, I'm going to say, hundreds of families in the last seven days about these types of incidents. What's your role? This is a major concern to the department. We have a, a problem with school precincts and school grounds. Our school buildings have very robust, up-to-date and constantly reviewed policies for what goes on inside the building. But policing the area outside the immediate vicinity of a school is the challenge. And it seems to be that there are a few schools where this happens. We've wor we're working with the uh, NLESD to look at options to uh, provide surveillance and monitoring and policing, for want of a better word, of uh, school grounds. And I met with uh, Terry Hall uh, on Monday uh, to discuss some of these issues. So it is a major concern to us. But I think from the point of view of what happens within the school buildings, uh, we are on a par, if not better, than most jurisdictions. We have some very robust policies procedures and they're reviewed recently the metro ones were all reviewed by the rnc uh, and the rcmp are looking at schools in their jurisdiction it's the school grounds and precincts that are the challenge and really they're municipal and and, and public property really so it, it's it's very difficult uh, to put teachers for example in that role it, it's it's um 
it's a challenge and we know that and we need to come up with some solutions we're working on some yeah and let's hope they come to pass sooner or later because you know sometimes parents volunteer at lunch hour maybe to help the children in kindergarten some nonchalant supervision that's not the right way to put it some unofficial supervision out in the playground in the parking lot area we have teachers are stretched are stretched out and they don't really have time to take on much more role than they actually do in the schools so i wonder if we're heading down the road of actual security guards or something because something has to give secure uh, school mode is important and the protections inside the locked door of the school are pretty solid. I know because I have a wife who is a teacher. But it's outside that we haven't got it figured out. And there's disjointed policies about where you can go on school grounds, whether or not you can leave school grounds, who's allowed on school grounds. So there really is an opportunity for a one-size-fits-all security approach, I think. Maybe that's oversimplified, but I do think that's available, and we've got to get to it. I wish we had more time, Minister Haggis. It's the first time we've spoken uh, inside your new job as the Minister of Education. I've got lots I want to discuss. Maybe in the near future I can have you back on because there's a long list of questions I'd like to get to. We should, as they say, do this again, Paddy, when we've got a bit more time. I'd be happy to do that. I always enjoy talking to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. John Hagee, Minister of Education. Man, there's so much I'd like to talk about in education. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to Happy Valley Goose Bay to talk about mineral exploration. Excellent. Don't go away. Local News Now, a VOCM News Update. This VOCM News brought to you by Murray Premises Hotel. Book your March stay and dine package now at murraypremiseshotel.com. It is 25 minutes to 12. Good morning. I'm Brian Medore. RCMP renewing their calls for information into the disappearance of a man on the Port of Port Peninsula last fall. 30-year-old Tyler Hennessy, last seen September 29th in the community of Ship Cove. His car, 2005 gold-colored Chevrolet Cavalier, was found on October 1st in the area of March's Point. Search efforts since then have turned up no sign of Hennessy. Last November, police indicated they believe there are people in the community who do have information that could assist the investigation. However, they may be hesitant to come forward for one reason or another. Anyone with information asked to contact the RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A local folklorist says St. Patrick's Day has changed dramatically in Newfoundland and Labrador over the last few decades. Andrea O'Brien of Heritage NL says traditionally St. Patrick's Day was a religious occasion for those of the Catholic faith, marked by church services, community concerts, and a special break from Lent when people could enjoy indulgences like sweets. And in my community, uh, on St. Patrick's Day, people made molasses candy. That was one of the uh, traditions up there. And some kids would actually kind of go door to door to people who they knew who made uh, molasses candy and get their fill of molasses candy. Uh, then later in the day, there'd be a, uh, a concert, a community concert, and everyone could attend, all ages, but if it, it was adults performing, and then it, after that, there'd be a dance. The only business owner in the once bustling but isolated town of Galtus on the south coast is suspicious about what sparked the latest debate on resettlement. The residents of Galtus, which is only accessible by ferry or helicopter, once again voting on whether or not to accept a relocation package. The town voted against resettlement in 2015. According to Stats Canada, as of 2021, the town had a population of 100. Galtus saw a huge decline through the 1980s and 90s. Ron Sims of Ronnie's Groceries told VO Silton Open Line with Patty Daly 
The latest debate began after a visit to the community by the Premier last summer. The thing about where this stems from right now, I think it was when the Premier and our member of Parliament, a member of the House, came to pay a visit to our council last summer sometime. And why the Premier was brought into the community and why he paid a visit to us, I don't know. He, he only met with the council anyway. To me, this is where it all stems from and started. I think this is where he wanted to get the ball rolling and see if there was room, maybe to see if they could get. Now, this is the council now to see if you could get the, get the town resettled. Coming up next, I have your uh, weather forecast. Rooms with fireplaces and bathtubs, dinner with pizza, wine, and dessert. There's no better way to say farewell to winter than a stay and dine package at the Murray Premises Hotel and Piatto Pizzeria. Enjoy the package from Sunday to Thursday all throughout March, including a one-night stay and dinner for two. Package rate starts at $175. Parking and breakfast are complimentary. Stay and dine at the Murray Premises Hotel and Piatto Pizzeria. Book your evening escape now at murraypremiseshotel.com. This VOCM weather is brought to you by Vogue Optical, where your second pair is always free. Let Vogue Optical arrange your next eye exam today. Trust us, your eyes will thank you. St. John's through to Clareville, we'll have cloudy skies this afternoon and tonight just light precipitation there. Northwesterly's 40, temperature on the plus side, daytime minus 2 overnight. Saturday, a nice one, light winds plus 2, Sunday periods of snow or rain. Central Newfoundland, about 5 centimeters of snow today and tonight, winds around 50. For Saturday, a nice one, light winds and plus one. On the south coast, nice day today, plus four. Clear skies tonight, minus one. Sunshine tomorrow and plus four. West coast northern peninsula, light winds and plus five today. Much the same tomorrow. Overnight, down to minus four. Goose Bay, plus three today with light winds, minus six overnight. And minus three with light snow on Saturday. Lab West looking at light winds, minus one today. Some light snow overnight, light snow again on Saturday with light winds. Minus 8, and the north coast, light snow today, light winds, minus 5, down to minus 11 overnight with 5 centimeters of snow, and light winds, minus 7 on Saturday. Right now, temperature at zero, still some fog in Metro. Back with an update and all the news of the day at 12 noon. I'm Brian Medor. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Let's go. Line number two, Jeff, you're on the air. Um, hi, how are you doing? Oh, doing okay. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay, thank you. Um, um, Patty, uh, uh, I I have some questions. Like I I lived in Labrador now all my life. Um, well, with the exception of a few years in St. John's, but um, I've I've heard recently, I think in the last year, that there there's a moratorium that's been lifted on mineral explore, exploration in in the region and and. Um, I've, I've heard that there are some promising signs of um, some pretty significant um, ore deposits in on, on the south coast, and as well as now what I've what I'm calling about is, is I've heard like I'm from the Makovic area um, originally, um, and and I've heard that that that. I heard a person interviewed on the radio that said they paid $21 million to be able to explore Kitts Pond area and for uranium. And and it it concerned me because, um, like, Nunatsiavut, like uh, the government, when, when we made our land claims, land claims agreement in 
I think it was 2001, um, and when it when it reached assent in the House in in Parliament, um, federally, um, that that we had or or you know the government the United States government had say over things, and what I've heard when I heard this person being interviewed, it sounded like um they're they're all game for. Uh, like exploring and digging and 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 mining these resources is 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 that um i that's why i call like a do you have knowledge of this and and what legality is involved well i don't think the process will be changing but the appetite you know i think we've only scratched the surface when it comes to ore and all the minerals inside the labrador trough in particular you will see lots more action on some of these more critical minerals because the way the world is changing there's a real appetite for you mentioned uranium but lithium and nickel and cobalt and others we've got a wealth of resources in labrador that will be explored i'm pretty sure uh the government put some five million dollars into the hands of uh, junior mining companies to further their uh work in labrador i know there's companies like search mineral that are really looking at the global appetite for all the components of whether it be an electric vehicle battery battery for my laptop battery for my cell phone we've got it in spades the world is changing the appetite for those minerals is growing day by day so yes you will see more mining activity in labrador i'm pretty confident in the very near future um so so the, like okay i'm um, maybe call me a, i'm i'm not sure what to call me but um that concerns me like what exactly concerns you jeff is just the aggressive nature or the uh, the quick pace um, where um, things yeah, are changing yeah like a, like there seems to be a, a disregard for for like um um the local local knowledge or or opinion even like I, I know we're Labrador and we're a huge landmass, um, but but very few in numbers when when it comes to counting, um, and and I guess that's how I feel is is that that we're somehow being left out of the equation or like the human factor, and and I know the Inu or Inu Nation are, are I think suing the government right now for for a lot of money over like a gull island and and gull island is is i don't know according to the inu they'll they'll never let it happen but but um when i hear the government talk it almost seems like a foregone conclusion well now the inu nation uh, issue is interesting i'll call it because they've actually been in court for quite a long time with the hydro quebec in the province of quebec regarding the upper churchill and environmental concerns when the rape mitigation plans changed at muskrat falls they say that they suffer, They will stand to lose $1 billion in revenue. And so consequently, until those two issues are finalized and addressed, they say Gaul is dead. So to me, that kind of sounds like a money issue as much as it does any environmental concerns, considering the fact that they, uh, the Inu signed off on the, for the uh, New Dawn Agreement to allow Muskrat to proceed. But they are saying that until the court case with Hydro-Quebec is settled, and I think that lawsuit is for billions of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, $3.5 billion dollars, and the billion dollars revenue at Muskrat. So you're right. That's exactly what they're saying. But it's based on those two issues. Um, okay. Um, thank you for that. No problem. Um, so, so like, how how 
like I, I have issues with this government. I've, I've voted liberal most of my life since I've become of age. Um, like, but I'm I'm concerned. Like, um, I, I mean, um, Premier Fury went and visited like Premier Legault a couple of times, and it was all hush hush. Or like, uh, he, he was saying nothing about it. And then when the last budget, um, Chiffon Cody said said like uh oh hey we're we're taking this but we're giving you this and and it's it's like saying uh, i don't know i'm i'm skeptical well you know what i think we're all somewhat skeptical on this front number one for me is because we don't even really know what they're talking about so i know there's some commercial sensitivities and we don't want to show our all our cards in public necessarily but are we talking about redress from 69 till now are we talking about the next 18 years and changing the equation for revenue are we talking about muskrat are we talking about gull island is it about the the atlantic loop we're not really sure i would imagine there's components of all of that included and more but until we actually know precisely what's being discussed then it's hard to be thumbs up thumbs down or anything but you know, questioning and skeptical to use your word. So I share your concerns on that front because there's a lot on the line here. Some of it is based on resentment and a sour taste in our mouth regarding the 1969 contract. Some of it is about, you know, really having a firm understanding of what 2041 really means. I think we many people have exaggerated or overestimated what that actually means for the finances of the province. But until we know more, we're all going to be have a healthy dose of skepticism for sure. Um, yeah, well, well, thank you for for um, sharing that opinion. But yeah, it it just seems odd to me, like or I don't know, off-putting. That I mean, Fury, and then then when like um for for the latest like rate mitigation and everything went with Muskrat Falls, and uh, all of a sudden um, there seemed, in my op- like, just my opinion, I'm <laughs> I don't know nothing. Um, but um, it seemed curious to me that after Premier Fury met with the Prime Minister, all of a sudden um, there, there, there arose this this thing with um, like off of off of Stephenville with the with the wind project and stuff like that. And, and is is that part of part part and parcel of the now that the moratorium has been lifted of of like being able to explore like different options in like a mineral exploration i don't think they fit together there was a a wind moratorium a wind project moratorium that was lifted very recently but in both circumstances people came to the province looking for or making proposals like the premier quebec lego he approached premier fury john risley and world energy gh2 they approached us so I think, you know, it kind of speaks to me that we're in a different set of circumstances and maybe have more leverage than in years past and all the failed court challenges that were brought to bear about the 69 contract. But I don't, can't really see a direct relationship between the wind moratorium issue and mineral exploration necessarily. And if so, maybe I'm missing something. That's quite possible. But I don't see the direct connection. Uh, Jeff, before I get to the break, I'll give you the final words, whatever you'd like to say. Um, well, I'm I'm just gonna go saying, go teams! Everyone in Labrador Winter Games, they're they're all doing awesome. We we lost out on the, weren't able to do the Labrador this week because of weather conditions, but um, 
Um, everyone's giving it their all. Uh, they, they're playing it on East Link, and it's awesome. 100%. Thanks for this, Jeff. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah. Final break of the morning, final break of the week. Do not go away. VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy are just one part of your morning routine. There's breakfast, showers, and that big cup of coffee or tea in a special mug. So show VOCM your morning mug shot. Listen weekday mornings for the cue to text the picture of your mug and warm up with a $200 Kohler contracting gift certificate and a VOCM travel mug. Daily winners are entered into the grand prize, a Daikin 12,000 BTU mini split valued at $5,000. Your VOCM morning mug shot from Kohler Contracting, your heating and cooling specialist, and VOCM. Interest payments were going up, creditors were calling. I finally realized I needed help, but the people at Jane's and Noseworthy really took care of me, and I'm glad I chose a local solution. I felt like they understood me better. We've been helping Newfoundlanders and Labradorians get out of debt for 35 years. With six offices across our province offering in-person appointments, we won't only offer you a video call, we'll meet with you on your terms, when and where you need us. Visit janesandnoseworthy.ca. Your weekend visits to Irving just got 10 times more rewarding. Get 10 times the Air Miles Reward Miles every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when you swipe and fuel 20 liters or more for limited time only. Conditions apply. Opt in at airmiles.ca slash Irving opt in. Hey, St. John's, what has less taxes, cheaper gas, and higher salaries? What has North America's most livable city and fastest growing tech sector? What has opportunities for everyone from accountants, nurses, and plumbers to engineers, programmers, and electricians. If you answered Alberta, you must be hearing the call. Alberta is calling. Learn more at albertaiscalling.ca. A message from the Government of Alberta. Grab a spoon, class. Friday's Lottomax jackpot of an estimated $34 million could make your dream dish more delish. Like a decadent fondue to serve in my new mansion. Dreamy. Why dream to the min when you can dream to the max? Must be 19 or over. When your computer's causing trouble, get your hands off the mouse and call the new cat in town. Lynx IT specializes in remote PC support from data backups to repair services. And if your issue is more complex, they offer on-site assistance too. All it takes is just three easy steps. Contact Lynx IT, tell them the tech issue, and sit back and let the cats take care of it. Anytime, anywhere. Lynx IT, tech solutions by local cats. Visit lynxit.ca. Save your green during the St. Patrick's Day sale on till March 22nd at Smith's Furniture and Appliances. Get a single over single bunk bed with storage drawers for just $699.99. Upgrade the kitchen with a 33-inch Maytag French door refrigerator, now just $22.99.99. A 30-inch Maytag self-cleaning range with air fry and convection, now $11.49.99. Buy me two Maytag kitchen appliances and save $200. Buy three or more and save $300. Smith's Furniture and Appliances, trendy and traditional. Tops of Road, Upper Gullies, and Whitburn and at smithsfurniture.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And welcome back. Let's go. Line number one. Barry, you're on the air. Good morning, Patty. Thank you for taking my call. Happy to do it. Patty, uh, growing concern all week but since this pack of sea ice moved down around us. What's going on down in Middle Cove and other locations around that are like it? It's absolutely horrifying, Patty, and I'm frightened to death. You know, somebody's going to get us. I've seen some videos that put my heart in my throat. You know, 
people just underestimate the force and the power of the water and the ice. This is not solid sea ice. This is, in essence, just fragmented growlers and slab ice. If you get caught in it, you could be doomed. I mean, there was a family member of a first responder who responded to the boys at Puchkov that got lost in the slab ice, those three young fellows. Mm. He had one of them by the hand and got pulled away. I mean, can you imagine if we've got it? It's not just about the individuals. It's everyone else around that's got to hear the tragic story if, unfortunately, that may happen. And people who are going to be charged with responding to these things, please stay off that ice. It's just so unpredictable. It can change in a heartbeat. Absolutely right, Patty. Absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, I mean, even on the beach, Patty, it, you know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to take pictures of, but say, you know, stay, keep a safe distance. I mean, you can be on the beach and get on a piece of ice and you, know, you might be on the beach, but what if, what if a wave comes in and, and the, the ice moves, you lose your balance, you fall and you go down through a hole or you get crushed and, good point about the first responders too, Patty, is that, you know, you're putting their lives at risk, but also taking them away from an unnecessary uh, action that could uh, possibly save somebody else's life, you know? Absolutely. And, and there, there's so many different angles we can take at this, but ultimately the summary point is it's just simply too dangerous. It looks like fun, and I know there's a cultural tradition with skipping pans and whatnot, but skipping pans is a long way from what we see in Middle Cove now because we're not talking about you know jumping pan to pan. We're talking about the fact that any type of shift, even if you just go up to your knees, that ice is absolutely has the ability to crush your leg in our heartbeat once again. So I just, I've seen so many pictures and videos of people taking some unnecessary risks that, again, heart in the throat kind of stuff. Absolutely, Patty. And I was down to uh, Puchkov to one of those uh, funerals, and it was I, uh, no parent would ever want to go through what that poor man, or those four parents went through with their, the last their kids. Well, of course not. Absolutely. It's just... It's almost too painful yeah, to think I'm about. Still, I'm still impacted by it, Patty, by, by by that, by that. You know what ha- what had happened, and going to the funeral and seeing the dad there at the head of the line, at the, by the head of the casket, and just look broken. Why it was it was a shame, and you know, it, it, the thing too, Patty, is that there's no ice around anymore. And you know, years ago, like you say, you know, you used to go copying and skipping the pens, and, that, and you had a bit of knowledge you grew up with, but now there's a, a detachment from it that. There's a forgetfulness of it, and you know it's 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 unbelievable. Somebody's somebody's going to get it if they're not careful. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not sure what to say beyond just watch it. There's no need to take that unnecessary risk. And I'm not trying to be the umbrella parent and bubble wrap everyone, because Lord knows my boys took their share of bumps and bruises as they grow up normally. But certain things just don't deserve tempting fate, and this is one of them. I was down doing, doing a CBC uh, interview uh, earlier in the week down there, and uh, before my interview came up, there was a individual, an adult there with a, uh, I know, the, youth, the kid must have been six, seven years old, and he had his back turned to the kid, and I was just thinking, you know, what's wrong with people? And I think it's a detachment and just the, the novelty of the ice, and that makes people forget what we, the dangers really are. Fair enough, Barry. Anything else you'd like to add before I sneak out one more call? Yes, Patty, thank you very much. I heard uh, uh, Mr. Paligo, I apologize for the uh, uh, the pronunciation, uh, talking this morning about uh, Clifford Small and if they get elected, making him a uh, an ambassador for the uh, rejuvenation of the seal hunt. And uh, I think it's a, it's a, it, it sounds great. Would they follow through? I don't know. But 
it sounds great because uh, what's the alternative? Listen to the definite silence of the Psalm 6 when they go and and reject yet another proposal that such as what Clifford Small tabled the bill to uh, rejuvenate a strategy to start to, uh, to bring back the seal hunt? Yeah, I, it all sounds a little bit empty to me as well, to be honest with you. I'd like to know what that plan actually looks like, but I guess we'll see if it ever comes to pass. Barry, appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for this. Thank you, Patty. It's always been a pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Final word this morning goes to line number three. Francis Scully, you're on the air. Oh, good morning, Patty. And Lola Fela Porik, lap, August, Aguino, Lola Fela Porik, Eve. So I wanted to say uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you and to all your listeners. The same to you. Yeah. And um, I was listening to your wonderful uh, show to the gentleman calling in from Labrador. I would recommend that he consider checking out the Council for Canadians because uh, the Council has been uh, debating and looking at this issue about how how important it is for local communities to their voices to be heard with uh, all new products, including. Um, you know, wind energy, solar energy, mining, and so on. And um, so the gentleman from Labrador might be interested in checking out uh, the Council for Canadians and the local group and that there's a lot of discussions about how to make sure everything is done fairly and um, in the best interests of everybody concerned. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that, that was what I was... Uh, calling about and uh, I wanted to mention actually that this week there is a global resilience summit happening with uh, some of the top people in the world looking at how do we respond uh, to times of trouble and turmoil and um, how do we build strong resilient communities what really works um, so anybody interested might like to uh, check out the uh, Global Resilience Summit. I will give it a look uh, this afternoon. And uh, I unfortunately have to say goodbye, but I thought we were also going to talk about Bridget O'Kildare. Oh, good. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't know because there's so many different topics. Yes, I didn't know how much time we had. Well, yes. So uh, um, I'm not sure if people are familiar, but for the last two years, Bridget O'Kildare actually has her national holiday in Ireland, and um, uh, so it's great that we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day, and I'm really interested to see that leprechaun. You know, we do need uh, lots of lightening up, um, but uh, um, I'm I'm hoping to reach out to people. I was talking to a friend today, Kim Todd, and she told me that there is a group uh, focusing on bridges here and all the folklore and that better, but. Um, I'm, I'm, I think it would be great to get going on celebrating St. Uh, Bridget's Day, which is sure. February the 1st. That's uh, right, for, yeah. For next year. The weaving um, of the Bridget crosses. Yes, and there's lots of other fun things. And the uh, So RTE, the Irish uh, news station, has a, a documentary on the go. If you go into RTE Player, and it's called Finding Bridget. And um, I don't know, have you ever watched Dairy Girls? I have, and you know, I'd love nothing more than to talk about Ireland, Irish uh, culture and traditions and shows and uh, celebrations, but we've just cleared 12 o'clock, so maybe we could pick it up another day, Francis. 
Oh, okay, okay. Well, anyway, so maybe I'll yeah, I'll call another time. And we'll talk about Derry Girls. But anyway, the, the nun in Derry Girls took me a while to realise who it was. Her name is Siobhan McSweeney, and she's the person who did the documentary on Finding Bridget. It was driving me crazy because I, I knew I could recognise her. Terrific. I couldn't work out who it was. Have a great day. Thanks. You too, Francis. Bye-bye. I should mention Kim Todd. Kim's my neighbour. Uh, good show today. Good week of shows. And uh, we will indeed pick up this conversation again on Monday morning right here on VOCM and Big Land FM's Open Line. On behalf of the producer, Greg Smith, I'm your host, Paddy Daly. Have yourself a safe, fun weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Bye-bye. You're listening to the VOCM Big Land FM Radio Network. Stingray Radio Stations. This VOCM News brought to you by NLC Liquor Stores. There's no safe way to mix alcohol and cannabis with any vehicle. Don't drink and ride and never ride high. News as it happens on VOCM, VOCM vocm.com, and at VOCM News on Twitter. Stay up to date with your VOCM. This is Newfoundland and Labrador's news leader. VOCM, local news, now. At 12 o'clock, going to have a pretty decent couple of days ahead of us. I'll have weather details in about 15 or 16 minutes right across the province on this St. Patrick's Day weekend. We have lots of stories about a special celebration, green beer and all. I'll also tell you about a missing person on the southwest coast, RCMP. Uh, put out another announcement looking for some information. Also, the latest on the uh, review of public assets that the government is doing. Of course, people are concerned about what's going to happen with Newfoundland and Labrador Liquor Corporation and uh, other assets as well, Marble Mountain included. Lots of other stories. Uh, the swans in Bowering Park, not a happy story. All this and more coming your way in the next little bit. First in our newscast, though, provincial government moving into the second phase of its review into the province's offshore oil and gas interests as it considers whether or not to divest itself of its equity interest in the offshore. Linda Swain reports for VOCM News. The second phase is part of a review of government assets launched following a recommendation in the Green Report. The province says the specific focus of this phase of the review will be on government's equity positions in Hebron, Hibernia South and the White Rose Extension Project. Government has a 4.9% equity stake in Hebron, 8.7% in the Hibernia Southern Extension Project and 5% in the White Rose Extension. Rothschild and Company presented its initial phase report to the provincial government last spring, which concentrated on the study of transaction options and valuations. Phase two represents what government calls a deeper dive to verify every aspect of a potential transaction. Rothschild is leading the process and any additional work related to legal, regulatory, tax and accounting requirements will be contracted as necessary. Government says no similar decisions have been made at this time regarding any other government assets like Marble Mountain and NLC, which were included in the initial Rothschild review. Linda Swain, VOCM, Local News Now. People who suffer from chronic pain hoping for a dedicated clinic have suffered a major setback. Provincial government called for proposals for a pain management clinic last year, but has since cancelled that plan. Medicuro, a virtual service based in central Newfoundland, submitted a proposal, as did Deloitte. Dr. Todd Young of Medicuro contacted the minister's office and was told only that the development of such a clinic was cancelled because of budgetary reasons. Treatment of such pain often requires a multidisciplinary approach, such as that which would have been offered 
at the pain management clinic. However, Young says it is now back to square one. So we have still 20% of people that have chronic pain. We have, you know, a fragmented, unreliable system, and we have 27% of patients who do not have uh, access to a primary care provider, let alone a primary care provider who is willing to treat their chronic pain. RCMP renewing their calls for information into the disappearance of a man on the Port of Port Peninsula last fall. 30-year-old Tyler Hennessy was last seen on September 29th in the community of Ship Cove. His car, 2005 gold-colored Chevrolet Cavalier, was found on October 1st in the area of Marches Point. Search efforts since then have turned up no sign of Hennessy last November. Police indicated that they believe there are people in the community who have information that could assist the investigation. However, they may be hesitant to come forward for one reason or another. They're asking anyone who had any sort of contact with Hennessy around the time of his disappearance or who may have information that could assist the investigation to contact them or Crime Stoppers. Condolences pouring in for two police officers killed in the line of duty just after midnight Wednesday. The officers have been identified as 35-year-old Constable Travis Jordan and 30-year-old Constable Brett Ryan. They were responding to a family dispute at an apartment building in northwest Edmonton. Canadian Press is reporting that a 16-year-old boy wounded his mother and then died of self-inflicted wounds. Police chief says neither officer even had a chance to discharge his firearm. RCMP in Newfoundland, Labrador, say their hearts are with the families and friends of the fallen officers. RNC also send deepest condolences, and they say stand with their colleagues in Edmonton. Hockey NL also sending messages of support, as Constable Ryan was a minor hockey official. City of St. John's has confirmed the two swans that have been living in Bowering Park have died. They're asking the public to refrain from feeding birds at city parks to prevent the spread of avian flu. VOCM's Sarah Strickland reports. The city tells VOCM News that a younger swan appeared to be sick and died quickly earlier this month, while the following week the older swan and seven ducks were found dead in the duck pond. The city says it appears as though the birds died of avian flu and the carcasses have been sent away for testing. The city has reported the deaths to officials responsible for tracking, testing and monitoring avian flu. The city says avian flu spreads faster when the birds cluster together, and as a result, they're encouraging visitors to Bowering Park not to feed the birds, which causes them to come together. The city fears that as long as the birds continue to be fed by the public, more bird deaths are likely. The city has not removed swans from park ponds for a few years, as the duck pond provides open water with ample food and shelter available, and the deaths are not linked to weather conditions. Sarah Strickland, VOCM, Local News Now. Finance Minister Siobhan Cody offering some hints about what to expect in the provincial budget. Come next Thursday, the province is working towards implementing some of the key recommendations of the Health Accord, which includes addressing the social determinants of health. A lot of the major government announcements of late have been related to health care. Minister Cody tells VOCM News overall health continues to be a focus. It's not just physical or mental, it's both your financial and economic as well. I think that's a key theme. We want to we're making big investments in the in healthcare. 
Um, I would argue, you know, we are transforming health care. We're, you know, really based on what came out of the health accord. So uh, Minister Osborne's been doing, an, an, a, you know, a great job of making sure that that is, uh, that is our priority, and it, it is the priority of this government. Provincial government has initiated a statutory review of the Independent Appointments Commission. That move comes as part of requirements outlined in legislation. David Conway will lead the review, which government says aims to enhance the legislation. The review will look at timeliness of recommendations, encourage more people to seek appointment, and maximize the diversity of candidates at regional representation. The final report will be given to the minister responsible by May 31st. Approval of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has dropped, and decided voters are more likely to vote Conservative. That's according to the latest polling results of the Angus Reid Institute, which canvassed almost 5,000 Canadians. Richard Duggan reports for VOCM News. They say weeks of questions over potential foreign interference in Canadian elections and the federal government's handling of the issue have taken a toll on the Prime Minister's public perception. The Institute states that Trudeau's approval has dropped six points in the last three months to 37%. In fact, they say the Liberals are trailing in voter intent almost everywhere in the country, with 35% saying they would vote for the Tories, while 29% would vote Liberal. That said, however, public perception of Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is a challenge, with the Institute noting that one-third of those asked have a favorable view of him. They say men are more likely to vote for Polyev than women. 43% of men asked have a favorable view of the man compared to 25% of women. Richard Duggan, VOCM, Local News Now. Federal Conservative leader Pierre Polyev firing back at those critical of his comments on the seal fishery. Polyev has said that he would expand the hunt if he became prime minister, raising the ire of stars such as Jan Arden and Pamela Anderson and... He blamed opposition to the hunt on what he called eco-nuts in the United States and the EU, as well as misinformation disseminated by animal rights groups such as PETA and the IFAW. Not surprisingly, Polyev also took aim at the Prime Minister for inaction on the industry. Trudeau and the Liberals aren't championing our seal hunt around the world. They should be making the case in the United States that this is a humane way to harvest proteins, uh, omega-3s, um, clothing for uh, to, to keep people warm in the winter, and even foods that could be used for foreign aid. All of that stuff is possible. You need a government that's going to go on the road and champion the seal hunt. The only business owner in the once bustling but isolated town of Galtus on the south coast is suspicious about what sparked the latest debate on resettlement. The residents of Galtus, which is only accessible by ferry or helicopter, are once again voting on whether or not to accept a relocation package. The town voted against resettlement in 2015. According to Statistics Canada, as of 2021, the town had a population of 100. Galtus saw a huge decline through the 1980s and 90s and lost most of its population after the Cod Moratorium in 1992. Ron Sims of Ronnie's Groceries told VOCM Open Line with Patty Daly, the latest debate began after a visit to the community by the Premier last summer. The thing about where this stems from right now, I think it was when the Premier and our member from Parliament, a member of the House, came to pay a visit to our council last summer sometime. And why the Premier was brought into the community and why he paid a visit to us, I don't know. He, he only met with the council anyway. To me, this is where it all stems from and started. I think this is where he wanted to get the ball rolling and see if there was room, maybe to see if they could get 
Now, this is the council now to see if you could get the, get the town resettled. Sims wants to stay, says resettling the residents now is not the right decision. Well, I'll tell you, the biggest part of this is, is the, most of them are now seniors, and to me, to uproot our seniors right now, you know, to me, I think it's damaging. Canada Post resuming normal operations in most parts of the province today. Service in many areas shifted to red delivery service yesterday due to messy and snowy conditions. All areas except for the Avalon back to normal service today. On the Avalon, service has been upgraded to a yellow alert, meaning they'll do their best to deliver, but there may be delays. A Newfoundland man recovering in a hospital in Toronto after undergoing a risky procedure to regain some of his eyesight. Jason Taylor, former broadcaster, has what's known as Peter's Anomaly. It's a genetic eye disorder. There's no functionality in his left eye, but for years he could see fairly well out of his right. However, Taylor says that changed last November. Says there had been a cataract in that eye since he was an infant, but it was dormant in the last few years. It has become active resulting in the loss of most of his vision. I compare it to if you get in your car in the morning and the windshield has frosted over. Well, that's kind of what it's like for me. It's a permanent frost. Fundraising dance at the Royal Canadian Legion on Blackmarsh Road in February drew a great response. It went so much bigger than any one of us would have ever thought about. And the support that came out on that night was truly unbelievable. Like, I actually have cold shivers now just thinking about it. That night, we raised over $3,000, and it was just absolutely mind-blowing. The Brad Gushu Rink has added some backup experience and muscle for the upcoming World Men's Curling Championship in Ottawa. Fresh off a record-breaking fifth Briar title in London, Ontario last week, the team announced today that they have picked up Ryan Herndon as an alternate for the Worlds, set for April 1st to the 9th. Herndon, who threw lead stones for Matt Dunstone's Manitoba rink, which lost in the Briar final to Gushu, had to watch as his brother EJ won the title with the Gushu rink. This time, however, he'll join his brother with the Maple Leaf as an alternate lead for Gushu. Ryan Harden won Olympic gold in 2014 with EJ as part of Brad Jacobs' Northern Ontario rink. He also has a Briar title from 2013 and seven Grand Slam titles on his resume. A Shea Heights family drawing some attention to a snow sculpture celebrating St. Patrick's Day. James Keating has created a St. Patrick's Day leprechaun out of snow, complete with shamrock. Might be familiar with Keating's work when he used to live in Cowan Heights, told VOCM Open Line with Patty Daly. He and his son Ashton decided to create the sculpture and take people's minds off the long, hard winter. Ashton is 18 now, and he's been doing it with me... Well, uh, since he could walk, and I've been doing them since I'm about 12 years old. We've done, uh, we, we usually do them down on Canada Drive where I used to live, but now we're in Shea Heights, so this is going to be our new locale. You can see pictures of Keating's work at vocm.com. And a local folklorist says St. Patrick's Day has changed dramatically in Newfoundland and Labrador over the last few decades. Andrea O'Brien of Heritage NL says traditionally St. Patrick's Day was a religious occasion for those of the Catholic faith, marked by church services, community concerts, and a special break from Lent when people could enjoy indulgences like sweets. And in my community, uh, on St. Patrick's Day, people made molasses candy. That was one of the 
uh, traditions up there. And some kids would actually kind of go door to door to people who they knew who made uh, molasses candy and get their fill of molasses candy. Uh, then later in the day, there'd be a, a concert, a community concert, and everyone could attend all ages, but it, it was adults performing. And then after that, there'd be a dance. And since then, O'Brien says, the holiday has turned into a pub culture event for all. I remember my first year of university going downtown, and that was in the early 90s, and it was on St. Patrick's Day itself, and there was nobody out, only the very few kind of diehards were out celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And within a, in a few years' time, that had changed to you know having to go downtown and line up 7 o'clock in the morning to get in, in somewhere on St. Patrick's Day, and also evolved into celebrating St. Patrick's Day on the days that fell around it. It is 17 minutes after 12 o'clock right now. Still to come on Newfoundland Labrador today, we'll be having extended interviews on St. Patrick's Day, just what it means. There's uh, a lot of uh, celebrating going on in many areas, of course, around the world, and especially in downtown St. John's. And also, uh, looking at sports, I'll tell you about the scores last night. Dawson Mercer, how he fared with New Jersey. Yep, got another point. He did. Coming up next, though, we'll have your St. Patrick's Day weekend weather forecast. This is VOCM's Newfoundland and Labrador Today. Heading to the cabin? Did you know operating any motorized vehicle while impaired is a criminal offense? Whether you're in a boat, on a snowmobile, or an ATV, there is no safe way to mix alcohol or cannabis with vehicles of any kind. We can all use some fun in the great outdoors, but please enjoy safely. Don't drink and ride, and never ride high. This message is brought to you by the Newfoundland and Labrador Liquor Corporation and the RCMP. My daughter Nora wanted to understand my new job. For the last 14 years, I was an insurance company lawyer. But now I work for McGilvery Law, a firm that represents people who've been injured in accidents or had their disability claims denied. Nora didn't quite understand that last part. She did understand that now I work to help injured people receive justice. I love making sure that people are treated fairly. Nora likes that too. That's why I joined McGilvery Law. McGilvery Injury and Insurance Law, Atlantic Canada's trusted name for injury and disability cases. It's tales of railroads and side roads, heartache, hard times, and Smoky Mountain memories. It's the Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell, featuring essential favorites from the golden age of country. Set the soundtrack for your Saturday night with The Cabin Party, presented by Lynx IT. Computer issues? Contact linksit.ca. The Cabin Party, Saturday night, 7 to 1 on your VOCM. Akita Equipment is hiring. They're looking for long-haul drivers based out of Newfoundland and Labrador for Canada-only and cross-border positions. You'll earn $0.60 per mile, and paid medical and dental starts immediately for cross-border drivers. They're also looking for owner-operators, both for Canada and U.S.-qualified drivers. And Akita Equipment is hiring five local drivers for a St. John's-based contract, as well as two boom truck operators. Email your resume to chris at akitaequipment.com. The experts at English's Paving are ready for another year of being your professional asphalt service team. They are your go-to for commercial or residential, driveway, and more. English's Paving offers free estimate and a price match guarantee. They're now taking bookings for 2023. So call Peter at 743-4225 or find them on Facebook and get your driveway or parking lot in tip-top shape. 
English is paving. Get her done. So work, boys work and be content. Grab a spoon, class. Friday's Lottomax jackpot of an estimated $34 million could make your dream dish more delish. Like a decadent fondue to serve in my new mansion. Dreamy. Why dream to the min when you can dream to the max? Must be 19 or over. Roll Up to Win is back at Tim Hortons and it's time to play. Millions of prizes are up for grabs. Like coffees and donuts for all your friends. Get rolling for a chance to win on the Tim's app today. No purchase necessary, Canada only. Rules apply. Visit the app for full contest details. This VOCM weather is brought to you by Vogue Optical, where your second pair is always free. Let Vogue Optical arrange your next eye exam today. Trust us, your eyes will thank you. St. John's Metro, rest of the Avalon Clarenville. We'll have cloud this afternoon, a few flurries here and there, cloud tonight. Winds 40 all the way through, temperature plus 2 today, minus 2 overnight. Nice day tomorrow, going to be a lot of activity, of course. Uh, cloudy, light winds, high of 2, and Sunday periods of snow or rain. Central, about 5 centimeters of snow today and tonight. Northwesterly winds, 50 all the way through. Saturday, looking good. Winds ease back to light, temperature plus 1, and then Sunday, snow or rain. South coast, cloudy this afternoon. Northwesterly's 40, temperature plus 4. Clear skies tonight, down to minus 1, and sunny tomorrow, late winds plus four but snow or rain on sunday west coast northern peninsula cloudy light winds plus five today down to minus four tonight light winds and plus four tomorrow with light winds showers or flurries on sunday goose bay light winds plus three today light winds tonight minus six and light snow tomorrow with temperature minus three some snow on sunday there is a potential for some significant snowfall in parts of Labrador on Sunday night into Monday. Don't have any details on that just yet. Lab West, cloudy today, light winds, minus 1, minus 16 tonight with light winds, and minus 8 tomorrow with light snow, some snow on Sunday. North Coast, light snow today, light winds, minus 5. 5 centimeters of snow tonight, minus 11, and then Saturday, light winds, minus 7, temperature minus 11 on Sunday. Right now, some flurry activity and metro temperature right at the zero mark. Winds, not really a factor. I'll be back with uh, more, uh, some inter- in-depth interviews on St. Patrick's Day. Of course, a lot of people preparing to celebrate this uh, great holiday weekend, the uh, kind of Irish weekend. I'm Brian Medore, and this is VOCM's Newfoundland and Labrador Today. Coming up, your VOCM sports update. Get the latest in scores, headlines, and schedules from your local teams to the big leagues. Life is full of the unexpected. Like secret celebrations, romantic confessions. I've always loved you. And sudden. 911, what's your emergency? When life throws you an unexpected curveball, call Moore's and Collins Law Office, personal injury and accident lawyers for over 50 years, offering no fee until you collect. Because life is unexpected, but your claims shouldn't be. Moore's and Collins Law Office, 268 Conception Bay Highway, Bay Roberts. Good afternoon, sports fans. I'm Brian Medore. Let's talk about the New Jersey game. So Tampa Bay whipped them the other night. This one went into extra time. Now Tampa Bay still gets the extra two points over Jersey, but Dawson Mercer grabs an assist as his 28th of the season, played 19 minutes. Other action, it was Florida scoring in the first three shots of the game. I think they had six by the end of the first period. Montreal uh, switch goaltenders made no difference. Nine to five for Florida 
over the Habs. So Edmonton gets a win over Dallas. Oilers looking really good these days. Calgary wins their game. Winnipeg loses. So uh, the gap there now three points in favor of the struggling Jets. Calgary three points out of that last playoff spot. Colorado a win over Ottawa 5-4. to four. Uh, Alex Newhook didn't uh, factor in the scoring. We had the Rangers defeating Pittsburgh 4-2. to two. Bad loss for the Penguins. They're still in seventh spot but uh, they don't have a lot of breathing room. Uh, we had uh, Chicago defeating Nashville. The Predators hoping to squeeze into that last playoff spot. That didn't help their chances. Los Angeles gets a victory, and Seattle gets a victory. Now tonight, here's the lineup, and look at this game. Worth watching, Carolina and Toronto, two heavyweights, 8.30, although Toronto's going to play Tampa Bay in the first round. Buffalo, Philadelphia. Uh, Buffalo, I don't think, is going to quite make it this year, but good effort. St. Louis and Washington going 8.30. Capitals still a chance and Columbus and Anaheim. The NBA last night, Raptors inch closer to that last playoff spot by a half game. They beat Oklahoma City 128-111. A lot of action on tonight, including the team that they are chasing for that eighth playoff spot, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Growlers playing at the Mary Brown Center tonight. Game time is 7 o'clock against Adirondack. They beat them on Wednesday night in the overtime thriller. 25 minutes after 12, I'm Brian Medor, and this is VOCM's Newfoundland and Labrador. Today. The Provincial Road Report brought to you by Robin's Donuts. Sip to Win is back with incredible prizes, including amazing Robin's gift packs, thousands of drink prizes, and a grand prize of $10,000. Robin's, fast, fresh, and friendly. Most of that ice on the Avalon Peninsula has pretty well melted now, so roads are bare wet for the most part, but keep in mind there can be some icy patches still with the temperature right at zero. In central Newfoundland, looking at the partly snow-covered roads, just light snow falling there. On the west coast, some bare wet, uh, some slushy, some icy sections as well. No dry roads on the island. And in Labrador, mostly snow-covered to contend with, but we have no advisories anywhere in the province for people not to travel. Savings are everywhere this month at Cohen's. Save $300 on a six-piece queen bedroom set and save $400 on a six-piece dining set with bench. Plus more savings in our new bi-weekly flyer on Rebe and at Cohen's.ca. Cohen's, where the home is. Work gets busy from clients and meetings to keeping up with all your demands. Do you really want to spend your free time cleaning your business? It's time to call Bercy Cleaners. With daily, weekly, and monthly contract options, they're your business, office, and property cleaning experts. Bercy Cleaners offers competitive rates and free consultations. Plus, they're bonded and certified. With over 40 years of cleaning experience, when you want reliable, dependable, and trustworthy, call Bercy Cleaners because their goal is to exceed your standards. Visit bercy-cleaners.ca. Hi, my name is Wendy from Riverview. I've been taking Karen for good health for two years. Hi, my name is Scott from Crystal Beach and I drive truck. I've been taking Karen for good health for a while now. Costco is a great place to start Karen for good health. A two pack of 30 is only $57.99, less than $1 a day. Karen is a source of zeaxanthin, an antioxidant for the maintenance of good health. This product may not be right for everyone. Please read and follow the label for directions of use. At Trades NL, their goal is to aid in the building of prosperity in our province. They represent thousands of highly trained, diverse, safe, and highly productive working tradespersons in the Newfoundland and Labrador building and construction industry. It's thanks to their vision that so many Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are forging pride and professionalism in the trades through training and lifelong career opportunities. For quality construction and labor solutions, Trades NL is here for you. 
Newfoundlanders love telling stories, and for 50 years, Breakwater Books has been bringing Newfoundland stories to the world, with hundreds of homegrown authors from every corner of the province writing novels, cookbooks, history, art, books for kids, and more. Breakwater is celebrating Newfoundland stories this March with free shipping. Stock up for yourself at home or send to friends. Visit breakwaterbooks.com and enter the code FREESHIP50 at checkout to get your favorite books sent anywhere in Canada absolutely free. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Just coming up at 12.30, this day of green beer and all green hats and the like, especially downtown St. John's, well, usually draws a big crowd of the restaurants and bars. Anyone with even a drop of Irish blood celebrates the occasion. Deborah Borden is the chair of Hospitality NL. She was on your VOCM's mornings today. How important a weekend is it for people in your industry? Well, we hear from our members, uh, especially those in the food and beverage industry, that this is a very important day. I was told by someone that we celebrate St. Patrick's Day more enthusiastically than some in Ireland. (laughs) I totally believe that. And I was out and about recently chatting with people. And and I think there's a sense of agreement about that, Deborah. But, I mean, it really has become a weekend affair and sometimes even making a full week out of it. No, absolutely. I mean, it's an important event, I think. You know, it's the long, hungry month of March, <clears throat> and we're looking for ways in our industry. We're the happy people. Uh, this is what we love to do. Anytime we get to celebrate any event, uh, especially in our low season or our shoulder season, uh, we like to make an event of it. That's what we do. So tell me now, how are you spending the day? Are you celebrating? I am. I, I, I've loved St. Patrick's Day ever since I was a child, so I'm always looking for something.